Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Fonz DeFalco, Kyle Russo, and James Montefusco. All right, so we have an action-packed show for you guys here tonight. First off, we are doing a Google Hangouts broadcasting our live show tonight. Um, myself, Fonz, James, and Kyle. By the way, great to have you guys back. Great to be here. Good to be back. Looking forward to it. So Fridays, 8 to 10 p.m., we are live. We are normally on Facebook Live, but we had a technical difficulty just a few moments ago. This episode will be up tonight on anchor.fm slash review and preview. You can listen to our content there. Follow us also on Instagram and Twitter at review and preview. We hope to be back at the studio soon. That would be nice. So we're going to run down the script now. We're going to talk some local news about the pandemic, about the coronavirus, what's been going on. Then we will give Kyle Russo his punishment on a silver platter for everyone to visually see. We are now up to week 14 in our punishments for the NFL season. We're going to talk about Rick Pitino becoming the new Iona Gales head coach. We'll talk about some New York Giants free agency. Then we're going to run down the rest of the NFL. You guys are going to love it. Without further ado, let's get started. So, NCAA tournament canceled. NBA postponed. NHL suspended. Premier League suspended. Golf, NASCAR, all due to the outbreak of the coronavirus. And this all started through pretty much uh, Rudy Gobert, the center for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this whole catastrophe? That's been going on in the world of sports right now. Pretty much sports life is on pause. Uh, Tom, I mean, it's it's scary. It's scary to see where things have gone. It's scary to see how things have turned out with the entire world as a whole, let alone the sports world. But when you first heard about this whole Gobert situation, it just it felt like it was a complete you know folding of the cards. First it was the NBA, then the NHL. The next day, the MLB with spring training. Now there's talks about changing location, the NFL draft. It's just uh, one thing after another, one thing after another. And my personal opinion is that it was handled very smartly and very effectively. Would it have been nicer if these tests would have been done earlier to players or even in effect to all teams at this point for all teams to get tested? Because now we're seeing that, um, you know, Gobert and the Jazz, they were tested over a week ago. But now we're seeing as soon as yesterday, Marcus Smart has it for the Celtics. Uh, two Lakers players have it. A couple people within the Sixers organization have it. Uh, people within the Denver Nuggets organization have it. So it's a very, very scary thing, especially um, now that you're hearing more and more about it, that a lot of people that do have it are asymptomatic, meaning that you don't even know if you have the disease or not because you're not feeling any of these symptoms that uh, are notorious that we're hearing on the news, reading about. Um, so it's just a very, very situ- uh, very, very scary situation that's um, that I guess is being handled properly um, at this time in this place. Yeah, uh, Fonz, I want to get to you now. Obviously, the NBA, uh, ten plus cases already. You know, we know about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, as Kyle just alluded to. Marcus mm-hmm. Smart on the Celtics, of course, Kevin Durant on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, your hometown, like you're from Brooklyn, so you know. <laughs> Originally. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's it's really crazy. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks back we were kind of like, oh, you know, it's just a little thing that's going on. But it really kind of affected, at least for my end, like seeing 
Gobert testing positive and then seeing the NBA season getting uh, suspended. And it's like, all right, this is getting like really serious. And then you're seeing uh, like the MLB season being delayed and then the NFL offseason or the talks of the draft being like, you know, isolated like for no one else. And at least being a wrestling fan, all the wrestling shows now are just being without the fans. And that's kind of weird to see also. So it's a very serious time right now. But uh, like Russo said, the NBA handled it very well. Credit to Adam Silver for, you know, as soon as that happened, not even like an hour later, he's like, all right, the season's suspended. Quarantine all the players. Uh, let's backtrack to seeing who the Jazz played. Uh, and then it went to, they tested the Thunder player, and they see, all right, who did the Thunder players play in the past couple of games, and then so on and so forth. So credit really to Adam Silver for handling this, you know, very well. I agree. Um, I thought it was handled very well. Uh, the NBA obviously postponed, very disappointed for that. The NCAA, uh, all the seniors in the tournament. Obviously, what was really scary to me was I was at work on Thursday. I was supposed to uh, work the Texas Texas Tech game at 12. And then St. John's and Creighton take the floor at the Garden and play an entire half as all of these games are taking place. And it's just sad, especially since St. John's was leading mm-hmm. at halftime of their game. And then all of a sudden, that's it. Done. Tournament yeah, done. I think that was, um, we were talking about it. I think as that game was going on, we were saying, oh, the ICC tournament's done. The ACC tournament's done. That was kind of really the only last game that we've been seeing. It's like, all right, I guess they're going to play it out and just go from there and maybe just cancel the rest of the tournament. They ended it at the half. Good call by them. I think if they played out the rest of the games, it probably would have been like, all right, why did they kind of do that if every other tournament, every other game was canceled? So it, it, that was really crazy seeing, like, all the things cancel, and then right at the end, like, all right, Cray and St. John's, we're going to – that's the last game kind of college game we saw for uh, – we're going to see for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, now, James, I'm going to get to you here. Uh, NFL New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton also test positive for the coronavirus. Uh, he was not the first person of the NFL community to test positive. Oakland Raiders special teams backup linebacker Quentin Poling and his wife and daughter tested positive before Sean Payton. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because now you see it's not just affecting the NBA, the NCAA. It's affecting sports that aren't even in session right now to the point where they closed all facilities. Pretty much, in my, my opinion, what they're doing is they're just trying to contain it as much as they can, even though NFL is in, you know, season. But you, you look at it this way. They could – they're not in season where they aren't playing each other like the NBA or like MLB or like NCAA where they would then need to, you know, stop playing. They're just living their normal lives and just going throughout their day, you know, seeing different people or whatever, and they're just catching it. So – by like, especially with, um, you know, with the family, with the kid, you were saying, you know, that affects the whole family. Sean Payton, I believe he posted yesterday or some video of himself um, saying that he's doing well, everything's on the upside and stuff. It, You know, it's, it's a tough situation even for the NFL because now they have to look at it and it's like, well, I thought this wasn't going to affect our season, but it, ultimately it might affect their season because if, you know, if they're the if the player and the coach are the only one affected at the moment, who else is affected down the road? You know, right? I think what's really sad, guys, in general, is just the reaction that sporting world has done. Obviously, baseball opening day pushed back. Uh, they're talking 
mid-May, if even, at this point. Um, and the reaction by teams that were playing live games as things were getting canceled. For instance, the Atlanta Hawks were playing, and Vince Carter, who's been in the NBA for four decades, this is how he might be going out. Yeah. We may have just saw the last of Vince Carter, who, in my opinion, is the best dunker ever in this league. Oh, no doubt. Especially after seeing that 2000 dunk contest. That's when it kind of started the, the tone there. And then just, you know, no matter where he's played, he was always one of the, the better players in the league. Um, often kind of forgotten about, too, when you look at, like, the likes of different shooting guards, like, you know, the early days or Jordan's later career. And then, you know, Kobe Bryant, then Dwayne Wade. Vince Carter was always in that uh, conversation, often sometimes forgotten about. So, yeah, it'd be definitely if this, if the season, if they do end the season to start to the playoffs, obviously the Hawks aren't in the playoff contention at all. But that'll be kind of a sad way to end uh, Vince Carter's career, who I believe, I definitely think he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. Um, still in the mix, I I, I would say. Um, <laughs> there we go. Right. Yeah, you know we're getting started really early here tonight. I, you know, I've oh, got to say, like, what should sports fans, guys, and this goes to anybody, what should sports fans be doing during this time away? Uh, like watching movies, watching uh, old games from previous tournaments, because technically, the round of thirty-two was supposed to start tomorrow. So yeah, now yeah. it's just what's what's happening. I don't know what's happening. You guys know what's happening. I mean. Go ahead, Russo. It's just a very, very difficult time and place because we've never really seen a situation like this before, especially from our viewpoint. I mean, Governor Cuomo comes on the mic and says that um, now there's an official quarantine being put into place where all non-essential stores are, you know, closed businesses. They're all closed except for like groceries, uh, grocery stores, pharmacies, and like gas stations. Everything else yeah. is closed. And, um, you know, I'm talking to some people and they're like, uh, you know, I don't know how we're going to communicate. It's just going to be texting and calling at this point because we can't even uh, we can't even go out. But, you know, the NBA is trying to come out with some programs themselves there. Uh, I, I think they unlock some of the higher channels so that we're able to watch classic games and stuff like that. Uh, I know me personally. Uh, I guess I'm kind of late to the party, but I just got Netflix for the first time, so that's what's going to be keeping me entertained. What? Hold on, what have you been you using, man? What yeah, the... I'm not, dude. I'm not a TV guy. I'm not a TV show guy. So what do I watch every night? Sports, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, or basketball. Hey, I get through. I'm just going to say one thing. He's not the last person to get Netflix. He's not the last person <laughs> to get Netflix. Uh, Netflix on this call right now. Hey, I'll say this, Bruce, so I recommend this for you. Disney Plus has a bundle for Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Only yeah. like twelve ninety nine. I sound, sound like a salesman here, but I got it. And you can just watch a bunch of ESPN uh, 30 for 30 documents. And also, I think NBA TV and uh, NFL League Pass or whatever they're called, they could do um, – they're having it free for the rest of the month. You can watch old, old games and whatnot. So, hey, I'm going to watch the Ravens playoff run again uh, for the Super Bowl in 2012. All right. With that. I think I'm probably one of the only people that's never watched the full nine seasons, whatever it is, of The Office. So I'm three episodes in, boys. I'm three episodes I'm in. I'm with you. I, I watched it here. I never started start to finish. I'm on season two right now, Russell. We'll, we'll do a separate right. show talking about it. All right. I'm All right. later about The Office. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. James, West Virginia was the final state 
to man. announce a case of the coronavirus. Your your thoughts? Listen, I mean, good for them. Lucky them because good they have them. to deal with all this. Well, good they have to deal with. Listen, they didn't have to deal with all the stuff we had to go through. I mean, when Tom texted me that earlier, I think mid last week or whenever it was. No, you've been hearing you, you've been hearing about it all week. Yeah, and this was this just happened earlier this week. I, I remember yeah, hearing about it. Literally all so, week. It was. It, I was like amazed because it's like, well, nobody goes there mostly anyway, so they're not going to bring the germs like with them. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm not surprised, but I guess it, it's good for them. They're probably the most prepared. So we know that James isn't spending else. his James isn't spending his fr- uh, spring break or some vacation in West Virginia, guys. That's not happening this year. <laughs> nope. We'll see about that. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Uh, I don't know when sports will come back. That'll be uh, figured out in the future. But Adam Silver has some ideas, possibly having a charity event. Um, We'll see. Golf, too. Golf was the last to go down. We saw Rory McIlroy teeing it up last Thursday. And now, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. But let's go go ahead, James. Because they even got rid of the Masters. Or they're moving the Masters. Yeah. You know? And then I think uh, Kentucky Derby, is it? Yeah, yeah it's moved to September. It's, it's moved to September. Yeah. So you don't even have that. Um, so, right. you know, a lot of different other sports that, you know, not many people think about is not going to be happening when they normally are. It's crazy. It, it, it's it's ending. I mean, people are losing jobs over this. Careers yep. are ending, which, I mean, a guy in the NBA who's probably going to retire was averaging 25 and a half points a game before you were even born, Kyle. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Crazy stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's it's crazy. So now you're looking at what players are doing. Uh, in the NBA in particular, uh, obviously players have been, been stepping up. Giannis and Middleton from the Bucks each donating a hundred grand. Uh, JJ Watt and his wife donating three hundred fifty k to the Houston Food Bank, and that'll provide over a million meals for those in need, which is awesome. Yeah. And then Zion covering salaries for those at the Smoothie King Center um, workers over the next thirty days. And I just to tell, I just want to piggyback off of you on that. Um, they, um, I saw that, that the Nassau Coliseum is also trying to incorporate some sort of pay for their part-time employees or their employees that usually work during uh, Islander games or something. Oh, free, or something along those lines right? today. Nice. Um, and then of course Kevin Love, guys. Uh, Kevin Love. 100k to the arena workers love to see it but um all right so here let's do this guys we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to have kyle russo do his punishment and then we're going to talk some uh ncaa hoops for a couple minutes Good evening, 
And welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz Falco, James Montefusco, and Kyle Russo here in the studio. All right, so as you guys know, Kyle Russo is making up his Week 14 NFL season punishment. Me, Fonz, and James have all decided that Kyle Russo must look at the wall for an entire segment and record himself for at least 30 seconds. Is that correct, Fonz? That is correct. James. Correct? Yeah. Kyle, you ready? I'm starting. (laughs) All right. Hold on. Russo, what wall did you pick in, in in your lovely room? Well, this lovely room, I just so happen to realize, has no walls to directly look at. So I'm just going to look off into the distance at this beautiful cabinet that That's I have tough. right to the left of me. That's okay. Tough. But it's okay. It's open. Face the cabinet. I'm looking. There we go. All right. You'll love Good. to see it. So, Tom, should we give some background on what, why Russo has to do, like what what's causing us to pick this one punishment? for him i love the story all right so you know it was about a year ago and i'm, I'm just I, kyle russo sitting in the engineering seat behind the board and he's just staring at a wall like the whole segment i forgot who brought it up it might have been i don't i don't think it was you james it might have been Earhart or somebody or no it might have been Daw- i forget who it was but kyle's just staring at a wall for like 20 minutes and then i think kyle what was it your sister was in the shot or something or she was she showed up. Yeah, my mom and sister came into the uh, came into the station, and they had to pick something up. And I was looking through the window to see when they were coming in, just in case they couldn't get to the door. And I would run off to go get them in. And um, I guess I got misinterpreted, and that's why I'm sitting here today looking at this uh, cabinet. Write the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was quite funny to for me and Tom to realized what he was doing we uh we, we've been making a joke out of it and since we needed a punishment for him for our uh nfl pick yeah um that we did and then um the next time we do this i will be up for week 15 uh so we're getting there uh we still gotta make up week 15 16 17 and then we have the two big losers i believe kyle was the regular season loser by one point and Fonz, i think you were the postseason loser you're damn right. Go Ravens. <laughs> All right. So before we get to those Ravens, uh, Russo, you got the you already took the video, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, I took the video. The video is good. All right. So let's talk some college hoops. Longtime Louisville head coach Rick Patino inks a deal with the Iona Gales. He will be returning to his roots here in the tri-state area in the state of New York. And Rick Pitino become the next head coach for Iona men's basketball. He previously coached for Louisville, Kentucky, the Knicks of the NBA, and the Boston Celtics. Forgot he was a Knicks coach. Yep. Jesus. He coached the Knicks for a couple of years. And uh, this is because Tim Kluse will be stepping down due to health reasons. Obviously could not coach the Gals this season. His team, his team did make the NCAA tournament last year. They've been a powerhouse in the MAC. And um, fun fact, by the way, before we get into Patino, Tim Kluse, former head coach at CW Post. Fun fact Friday. Where we broadcast review and preview. Yeah. Fun fact Friday. Um, 
and then he elevated to Iona. And now he's done coaching due to health issues, which is, you know, very sad. Tim Kloos had a very impressive resume. Uh, mm-hmm. And we wish him all the best. Uh, now, Rick yes. Rick Pitino, obviously, there's been some – there's there was a scandal at Louisville. There's been a lot of negativity around this guy as of late. I think a lot, which is undeserved. Um, my opinion on that whole Louisville thing, there's no doubt the guy knew about it. Was he the catalyst in it? No. We, we we know who started it. I believe it was an ex-team manager who was no longer on the team even at the time that it was discovered. And what they did was they stripped Louisville of the 2013 national title. And the only kids that were even involved on that team were guys like um, Terry Rozier, Montrez Harrell. It was their class that was recruited um, and they, they were freshmen that year. That had no impact uh, on a majority of people who played in that game. Actually, I think I stand corrected. Rozier was the year after Montrez Harrell. So I think they were in the same. They were played. They played together, though. I believe at some point too. I think, I think Rozier was a. He was a freshman at the time, so he didn't really get any playing time. So he really. I don't think he was, was a, a fresh. That, he was. He, I don't think he was a big part of that 2013 uh, championship, but. He, uh, he was a bench player at the time. I, he was on the team, but he, I don't think he no, got playing. No, he time. wasn't on the team. He, what what happened was Trez was a freshman. I remember it because Rozier's freshman year was Russ Smith's senior year because then they had yeah. Chris Jones transferred in. Then Chris Jones got dismissed from the team, and then that's when Rozier really took over um, yeah, that, and made a name for himself. I remember it because he was a freshman when – um, Dave Levich was a freshman, Dylan Avar, uh, Mango Mathiang was part of that class. It was Mango Mathiang, Montrez Harrell, and then I think one other person who I don't remember. Uh, Peyton Siva, was that his name? He I, was the point guard, too. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah, Gorgie Jang was there, Peyton Siva. Gorgie um, Jang, yeah, that's another one. But a lot of those guys who played had no impact on it. I mean, you can't tell me guys like Russ Smith. Luke Hancock, Stephen Van Treese, Gorgie Jang, uh, Tim Henderson. Those guys didn't deserve that. No way. But now Rick Pitino has this bad egg on his on his shoulder that he has to carry with him back into New Rochelle, New York. Which is not the best time for New Rochelle, New York. But. Yeah, it, it's... It's crazy to see though, like a a legendary coach like Patino go to a school, uh, you know, like like, like Iona. You just, you know, I, I guess it's just the way for him to get back into the coaching ranks. He's wanted to get back into it. He coached a couple seasons in Greece. I don't know how the team did, uh, how they did like uh, personally, but I mean, you know, it's a way for him to get back, and he's got to start somewhere. So hopefully, um, he can take Iona still to be. They've always been a consistent program, I believe too. They've always made the tournament uh, every year at least. They've, uh, I, I think they're in the. Is it the MAC conference? The MA, yes. yep, MAAC, them, Siena, Quinnipiac, Marist, yeah, those schools. They've always made it every year. They've always been consistent. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully he can keep that consistency. Maybe, maybe even make some sort of run. Who knows? Uh, you know, you you, you just feel bad uh, for teams in the MAC, especially this year, like Siena, a team that was supposed to make the NCAA tournament. Um, obviously Iona was eliminated, but um, fun fact, guys. I know it is fun fact Friday. More facts. Uh, Rick Patino actually, he played college basketball at UMass, but he went to St. Dominic's High School, and he grew up in Oyster Bay, New York. 
Oh yeah, that's where, yeah. that's where I'm living right now. Yeah, resigned in Oyster Bay. So a little a little fun fact for you there. Todd uh, always got the fun facts, really. <laughs> he was also an assistant at Syracuse back in the late it's 70s. Nice, nice to hear some fun facts again. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed them. Yeah. Rick Patino actually admitted that he deserved to be fired by Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then looking back on it, Rick said that three days ago, which is insane. Like, I don't know if you'd come out and say that. Um, and then his arch... Uh, Nemesis on the court. Obviously, they're great friends off the court. John Calipari, coach of Kentucky, is open to playing Rick Patino and Iona at the Rupp Arena. So imagine a mid-major traveling to Kentucky to play the Wildcats. Yeah. Now, you look at this, and this has, this has the potential to become a mid-major powerhouse like Gonzaga, if done correctly. And I think that's what Patino is trying to do here. Would you say so, Kyle Russo? I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> Very nice. Sorry. Very nice. <laughs> I can't take him seriously. He's staring at the wall. Neither can I. I picture him staring at the wall at studio still. Um, other big news. Um, Sabrina Inescu finishing up her career uh, at Oregon. She'll declare for the WNBA draft. She was part of the uh, um, NCAA. Um, what, what do they call it, Kyle? The first team? They call it... Um, Laura Cox from Baylor was put on it, too. Uh, obviously, her with her injured history. Baylor winning the national title last year. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a couple familiar faces. Um yeah, on the Naismith team. That's what it is. So, yeah, so um, good for them. And then now we're looking Anthony Edwards from Georgia to players for the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got a lot of good young guys out there. And I don't know how this is going to pan out. We, with the end of the season, I could imagine all the teams not in the playoff spot are pretty much done until next year at least. Yeah. Um, so they're draft uh, scouting early, I guess. Right. So really the funds, your New York Knicks are actually, um, you know, I'm really not trying to say in the mix here, but that's what they are for a top five draft pick. Yeah. So, and I know uh, there's guys like James Wiseman out there. Uh, obviously, you're expecting another lottery pick this season. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, we have a late first rounder from the Clippers. For that Marcus Morris deal. That's too. right, Marcus Morris deal, and you have Mo Harkless as well. So yeah, and I, I like Mo Harkless too. He's a good player. But uh, to answer, well, to answer your question, what I think the Knicks should do, they need to. I think they need to go for a point guard to play alongside uh, R.J. Barrett. I mean, Wiseman's an intriguing prospect. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I've been saying this since the beginning. I think you need to start Mitchell Robinson. I think he's a guy you should keep around, uh, especially pairing him with Julius Randle. I think maybe in the that second pick in the first round, like um, a Clippers pick. Maybe get a rotational big man, but I think with that top pick, assuming in the top three or whatever it is the case may be, go for a guy like Anthony Edwards, maybe a uh, Cole Anthony from UNC if he slides to slide down a little bit. Uh, there was talks about LaMelo Ball, too. I mean, that could be a possibility, too, but I definitely think Anthony Edwards would be a guy we should definitely go after. Yeah. LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball <laughs> is another <Okay>. guy. <laughs> um, 
LeBron so, Ball MSG with Dolan, that would actually be a very interesting show. Yeah. Really. Just that alone. That would be. Should be interesting for sure. Um, all right. So, Russo, you can look back. Your punishment is now done. <laughs> Stretching out the neck. There you go. There you go. Russo, how's your neck feeling? You need some of the ice or something? Oh, man, this hurts. All right, but we good. All right, yep. So we are full back here, full force review preview. Let's talk some New York football giants. So, oh, boy. Before preseason went on their way, Giants had a lot of restricted free agents. They re- they re-signed under-the-radar players in Elijah Penny to a two-year deal. And then linebacker David Mayo, who they signed off the 49ers um, waivers right before the season started. Um, David Mayo re-signed to a three-year deal. Instantly, Kyle, I turn to you and ask, um, obviously, Penny, it is what it is. You know, uh, they... Sherman loved him. Uh, the offense loves him, but David Mayo was definitely a great producer in that second level this season at the linebacking court. Yeah, he was definitely a surprising, not signing, but uh, during the course of last season when we brought him onto the team, he really didn't have that much success with the Niners, and I know he was with the Panthers prior as well. But he was very surprising on a team that was decimated at the linebacker position. You know, we had uh, – the Giants had Ogletree. He was really unsuccessful. That's why you see the, uh, the release is him. Uh, the release of him, Kareem Martin, on top of that as well, uh, played the linebacker position and the edge rush position for the team as well. Um, release of him as well because he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Ryan Connolly going down in week two or three, I believe it was, yeah. when he tore his ACL. Um so David Mayo was a nice surprise. He was a nice surprise. Uh, the Giants got him on a nice, friendly contract for a couple of years. And uh, it's definitely a good signing. It's definitely a well-deserved and good signing for this, uh, for this Giants team. 82 tackles on the season. He was drafted in 2014. He played for the Panthers for four seasons before coming to the Giants. And he started playing in 2015, actually. He was a fifth-round pick in 2015. So... Great to see it. And now uh, the Giants going into free agency, uh, they also re-signed a couple of guys as free agency started. Obviously, Cody Core, great special teams player from last year, bringing him back. I think it was a two-year, like $4.5 million, $4.7 million maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they tagged Leonard Williams. Now, this is where we get mad because Leonard Williams to get tagged, what was it, 16 mil a year? A little over that, yeah. For this next year? Um, what do you think about this? Personally, I am, I, am not, I am not a fan of this move. I mean, Tom, this is, and me and you and James and a lot of other Giants fans as well, we could have a whole show, two hours designated to just this topic alone about what goes through the minds of the people that are making these decisions. You know, here we are uh, before getting into the actual resigning of Leonard Williams. You know, you see a division rival trade the same exact compensation for a pro bowler and Darius Slay, a third and a fifth rounder. That's what the Giants traded for Leonard Williams, a guy who doesn't do anything. And that's guy and that guy gets the biggest contract on our team in free agency. As we enter with eighty million dollars, it's just it's the biggest slap in the face to your fans, your organization. But it is what it is. My problem with this, with 
not just Leonard Williams, Tom, is that the Giants go into free agency with about $80 million in cap space, probably around 60. They, they spent about 60, I want to say, so far. They still have some moves yet to be made. But you see the exorbitant amount of money that they've already spent. And they got some decent players. I'm a big fan of Bradbury. In a division where you have to go through Mike Thomas, Chris Godwin, uh, um, Mike nope. Evans, uh, on top of Julio Jones as your, as your, um, as your wide receivers to guard defensively. I mean, that's a guy I want on my team a hundred percent, but you look at some of these other acquisitions and not that they're bad because you look at these contracts and they're all, they're all team friendly, but you say to yourself with these acquisitions, does this make the giants? And I know we haven't gone through the draft yet. Does this make the giants a better team than the Cowboys? Does this make the Giants a better team than the Eagles? You look at the NFC alone, you break it down into the 16 teams, guys. I I don't even think there's a question that the Giants, when you look at just the NFC teams, let alone the entire NFL, even after spending $60 million in cap space, I don't even think the Giants are a top 10 team within the NFC. If the, Even with the new instilled CBA, you have seven teams now making it. The Giants aren't going to be one of those seven teams making it. They're just not. They're just and they spent sixty million dollars, and so you say to yourself, "Are they getting the right asset?" Okay, so here's my counter argument on that. So, obviously, the other guy they kept was Aldrich Rosas. They uh, spent the second round tender to keep him. Now, when I look at this free agency, the Giants dumped a lot of players they no longer need, and I'm going to run down the list. starts with Dion Buchanan, Antoine Bethay, Buck Allen, Antonio Hamilton, who were just signed by the Chiefs today, Big George, who was drafted last year, John Jalapio, who was an epic fail of a center for two seasons, Zach Diossi, longtime long snapper, who ended the season hurt, Looks like they're moving on from him as they have Colin Holba from Louisville now, their new starter. Corey Coleman, still unsure what's going to happen with him. Kareem Martin, Alec Ogletree, gone. Scott Simonson, Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, gone. Mike Remmers, also signed by the Chiefs today. Michael Thomas was replaced by Nate Ebner. Um, so I think the Giants dumped a lot of the guys that they had to dump. However... I think yeah. the Giants pulled the right plugs for the most part, except for tagging Leonard Williams and not keeping Golden. And to be honest with you, I think the Giants could have kept Golden for less than what they tagged Leonard Williams. But, I agree. And James, um, I want your opinion here in a sec. This is where I disagree a, a little bit. According to reports... The Giants are the fourth most improved team in the NFL, just through free agency. I think even with tagging Leonard Williams, the Giants still brought in enough pieces where they could be in the discussion for a top 10 team in the NFC. Uh, obviously, not saying that's going to put them in the playoffs, but it's a huge improvement from where they were last year. Let's talk about the guys they brought in. James Bradbury, D.B., with the Panthers, uh, three years, $45 million. Great. The Giants needed a quarterback to pair with DeAndre Baker, with Grant Haley, with Corey Ballantyne. 
those guys. This is a perfect fit. He's a better option than Jack Rabbit, who's on the wrong side of 30 now, and Eli Apple. Uh, Blake Martinez, linebacker from the Packers. I love this move. He's a little bit questionable in pass coverage, but on a three-year, $30 million deal, $10 million a year on Blake Martinez. And if I'm not mistaken, he led the NFC in tackles last year. Uh, no, that was, that was Buda Baker, but he was second. He was well, second. for linebackers. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Andrew Scarpacci, if he was here right now, he would not be happy because he loved Blake Martinez. He was part of a Green Bay Packers team that won 13 games. Yeah. 13 games. I like this move a lot, and he played for Patrick Graham in 2018. Just a little fun fact there for you. And then the Giants also went and they signed Kyle Fackrell. Fackrell, um, a lot of people are saying he was brought in to replace Golden. Uh, just a one-year, four-and-a-half-million-dollar deal. And then Levine Toliolo, two years, six million tight end to replace Red Ellison, who retired. That freed up seven million for the Giants. They sign a tackle, Cameron Fleming, former Patriot, former Cowboy. They bring him in on a one-year. And then Nate Ebner, one-year deal. Uh, no terms were announced yet, but he's going to be on the team. First Joe Judge. Uh, New England uh, Patriot that comes Patriot over to the Giants, the Giants. and then Colt yeah. McCoy back McCoy. at quarterback, quarterback one year, one point five mil. James, James, evaluate those. And which 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 picks do you like the most? So, pretty much, they've all been good picks. They've been added to what they needed to be done. Um, so, so in that sense, sense I'm fine with. I, I do wish they kept, they, they um, tagged or signed Marcus Golden because he did have a good towards the end of the season last year. Um, Colt McCoy, I think, is going to be pretty good as a backup for Daniel Jones. Um, in a way, uh, another experienced guy that's been in the league for a little while um, to help Daniel Jones room and better himself. Um, I like taking some of the Green Bay guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just because I, I, I think it was a smart move by taking them. It's almost like this, not the same defense, but in a, in a nutshell, it kind of is. I think that to round it all out, I don't know how you guys are very disagree, but I give it. A B minus. I give it a B minus. Because they what? address they address, no. they address, no. they address they positions. positions. They address positions. They address positions. But but we all know, we this. All know this as football, as fans, football fans, right? Fans, right? The most important, the most important position, position in football, in football is, quarterback. is quarterback. What's the second What's the most second important, position? important position? It's an edge rusher. The Giants, the Giants didn't, didn't get that. Get that. They didn't they get that. Didn't get that. And then you could and argue you that the third that most important position is protecting the quarterback, which is an offensive lineman. I flip flopped that. You say the offensive line is okay. Whatever. Say two left, three. Two left, 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 left. All right. So, so even if that is the case, we got right? the point. You saw, though, you, yeah. saw, you, ja- you saw a guy like Jack Conklin who floated out a little bit, right? Giants got on him. Get it? He had a decent. The contract was three years, forty-two million. Not too expensive. And by the time he became a free agent, he was still going to be in the prime of his career, a twenty-nine-year-old. But the Giants decided to go on the path of signing Cam Flake. 
And is that a good option? I don't know. You can make the argument. Is he better than Remmers? Is he worse than Remmers? Is I, obviously knowing all the personal things that Nate Solder had been going through over the course of the past couple of years. What is he going to be like at left tackle? Because there was big rumors around him being potentially released, creating thirteen million dollars in cap space. And obviously, you know you're going to keep. You know you're going to keep Will Hernandez. You know you're going to keep Kevin Zeitler. But. We still need a center, like you alluded to, Tom, right? A guy who's going to rush right up the middle because Daniel Jones doesn't have anybody protecting him at center. And then we go to the option, we say we could draft a center, and we could draft offensive one. But when you have as much money as they did, and you don't have a surplus of picks, I believe they have about six or seven picks in this year's draft, you can't afford to let three, four, five days of free agency Go by, and you don't address these positions. You just can't do it. Because we don't even, I mean, if, this, if, the, if the draft was to start today, I can't confidently tell you who the Giants are picking at that number four spot. I don't know what direction they're going in. It won't be Isaiah Simmons after who they have signed, and I'll tell you that much. Um, it looks like they're putting their money right now on guys like Fackrell, on Lorenzo Carter, especially and O'Shane Zemeas. And then I guess and Leonard I guess Williams as well. If you want to call those four, your guys, the quarterback, should be scared of. So that's that's pretty much all I've got for you there. As far as the offensive line is concerned, they bring Fleming in. I don't think he'll be as good as Remmers, but in this system, he might play and strive really well. You know, the starter for the Patriots and the Cowboys for a couple of years, and he has the skills to be good in this league. It's just I think he's going to be more durable than Remmers was. Remmers, obviously, with the back issues. That's why the Giants hesitated to sign him last offseason, and I think the plan could be for Nick Gates to slide into the center position. If you guys remember him, he was really good last season, and he might compete with Spencer Pulley if they don't draft the center. Those, I mean, I think the three biggest holes are center, right tackle, and edge rusher. I think if you fill those holes with more depth and more, you would solidify the offense really well and the defense would be more successful because the Giants fixed their linebacker problem, I think. Um, and they signed the quarterback. Do they have too many? Yeah. So you have Martinez, you have Connolly, you have Mayo, and then you have Josiah, Tofan. No. Because Mayo was not a starter until Connolly got hurt. And you want good depth, especially in the 3-4 where four linebackers start. I know the twins on each side are an edge rusher. But I think the way they have it nice is designed really well. Connolly's good in pass coverage. Martinez can stuff the run. He'll, he'll be great. Um, and then Mayo is the guy who can fill in. Martinez never leaves the field. And then... Connolly and Mayo can be guys that flip-flop. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really yeah. think there's too many. I think the Giants did the right move. They only signed one interior linebacker. Fackrell's technically an edge rusher. That's basically what he is. And two years ago, he did have 10 sacks, or eight, eight or 10 sacks, whatever it was. He had 10, he had 10 and a half. But then this is where the statement comes in, right? This is where it comes in Let's why it becomes it. frustrating with this Giants team, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle and Fackrell is the same exact thing, the same exact guy, same exact story that Marcus Golden was last year. 
It was a low contract with a lot of upside considering what the guy was able to do in the previous season. And it was basically a prove-it deal. Marcus Golden proved it. Why are we, and he got why, the deal. Why are we, why are we hesitating on Marcus Golden, the one guy on the team that was consistent throughout the entirety of the season, was healthy every single day, game, and accumulated double-digit sacks, and that's the guy you don't want to bring back? It, I Listen, Kyler Fackrell, I understand he was, had a very successful season two years ago under the system of the defensive coordinator, Graham. But why are we doing the same thing that was done last year and testing another guy when we already have the guy that proved himself? He wants to come. Listen, five days of free agency have gone by now, right? And this guy is not signed. He's been notorious for saying he wants to come back to the Giants. He's being patient with the Giants. And he's seeing if they can potentially create more cap space so he could come back. Why is this the guy, the guy who's been the most constant piece of the puzzle, is the guy that we're looking to mess with? Is he the this, expense of Leonard Williams? Is he the expense of Leonard Williams? No, he's not. He's not the expense of Leonard Williams. And who is? He is He is the expense of Dave Gettleman and his decision-making. This is a guy that Dave Gettleman has gotten a lot of criticism and a lot of uh, – been called a, uh, a skeptic, made suspicious moves, not understanding why these moves were made, but he made them. If anything, if you look at what Dave Gettleman has done over the course of the last two, three seasons now – in power of the Giants, this is one of his top three moves. It might there's not many which he's made where you say, wow, that was great. Wow. And even though he was a James Betcher guy and Marcus Golden, even though you could say he was a James Betcher guy and Marcus Golden, and maybe that's the reason for not bringing him back, I still don't understand, especially because the linebacker market isn't getting paid this exorbitant amount of money. If Blake Martinez is worth $10 million a year, and Corey Littleton is worth $12 million a year, what does Marcus Golden fall around that he's not the guy that the Giants are paying? Okay. When he's had better seasons than both of these guys. I get it. Tackles are all, tackles are great, a guy that could be all over the field. But when you don't have a guy that could get to the quarterback, and yeah, you brought in Kyler Fackrell, I get that, but has not had recent success, Not obviously not last year. Why is he not the guy that's the instant affordable guy? That's the guy we need to bring back. Right. That, that, that's what becomes a question. And then you say, Tom, it's probably not going to be Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. Why would it not be Isaiah Simmons? That's the guy that could get to the quarterback. So then you ask yourself, at what time and at what place does that position? And what, when does that get recognized as important to, to a successful football team? Because at this point, I can't tell you. Who's going to lead the, this team? It's tax. I can't tell you. And I don't think it's going to be Kyla Fackrell. Lorenzo Carter. But well, how many is he going to accumulate? Okay, so this is my take on it. And I don't want to spend too much more time because we got to get to Fonz's Ravens. Uh, okay. If you remember Dave Gettleman's very, very first move in free agency, who was it? Josh Morrow. One year, One year, gone. gone. Cardinals. Better guy, right? guy, right? Last year, mm-hmm. Marcus Last year. Golden. Very, Very first, first move by Gettleman in free agency again. Yeah. Pass rusher. Betcher, Arizona. Arizona. Betcher. One, year. One year. What's going to happen? Most likely, Most likely. gone. Huh. 
Um, this has seemed to be a recurring trend. And you bring up a good point. This has been one of Gettleman's good moves. I think he's made a few more good moves than you know you would give him credit for. But that's just my opinion. Everybody to each their own. But uh, yeah, you should re-sign this guy. If you don't, you're silly. And if you're if you're Gettleman, you should have been aggressive with this guy. If you're going to bring in Fackrell, fine. But bring Golden back too. Bring him back too. Have both of them. I don't understand why, especially when you get the guy for less than five million. But any anyway, um, a lot of people like one of my friends who's a Cowboys fan. He was giving Gettleman a lot of praise. He liked what he did. Um, let, let's talk about the under the radar sightings. Cody Core, great special teams guy from last year. I'm really glad he's back. He had great chemistry with Riley Dixon, and then Nate Ebner. Um, a lot of people asked, was this move necessary? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Special teams wins football games, right? Joe Judge is a special teams guy. He brings in Nate Ebner, who, who's former Super Bowl champion, along with Cameron Fleming. I thought it was a solid move. The day I saw the update, I wasn't the biggest fan. But now, you know, I'm starting to think about it. It's not that I didn't know who the guy was. I, I know who the guy is. It just... It kind of flew under the radar to me. What, what do you guys think about that, Nate Ebner signing? I think that it definitely has its perks to it. You know, we, we talk about uh, the accumulation of Patriot people, obviously Joe Judge coming over from the Patriots. In fact, his special teams is one of the reasons why we lost that game in Foxborough last year because of muffing punts, being put in bad field position. Remember, um, I can't – oh, uh, Nate Stupar bouncing off the helmet of Nate Stupar going into Chase Winovich's hands, putting the Patriots right in direct uh, position to score. And then another muff punt that happened later in that game. So special teams cost us that game against our now coach. But there is a lot of importance in special teams. There is. But I, yeah. when, you see, when you see the Giants or any team making moves addressing – not that it's not important – but addressing it so early in free agency, it's questionable because you say to yourself, these guys are probably going to be available next week. And they probably would have been available the week after that. And that's why it's questionable why you see them signing only the third day into free agency. In fact, it's the first official day of free agency, which was yesterday. Yes, players got to negotiate contracts on Monday and Tuesday, but nothing became official until Wednesday. So you understand the importance of why these guys were brought on. But, True. you know... At that point in time, I, I think it's a it's an allocation of money that didn't need to happen at that certain moment. I'm happy to have him on the squad. I think he is an upgrade over Mike Thomas. I do believe that. I agree with that. And, and we'll see how it pans yeah. out. We'll see how it pans out, especially knowing that, you know, Joe Judge worked with this guy. He's going to be put in a familiar system under Joe Judge's head coach. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see if that becomes something that the Giants excel in this year because it's something that they lack thereof. Um, especially because going into the season, uh, Corey Coleman was supposed to be their kick returner. And then everything kind of collapsed on top of itself when he tore his ACL and the whole special team kind of fell apart. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't know who our kick returner is anymore, but um, we'll have to figure that out as well. And if you do remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Marcus Golden had a touchdown in that New England game. I believe he recovered a a sack, a strip sack or something off Brady. Yeah, I believe so. Um, Yeah. Uh, the last the last thing on the Giants, um, Matt Moore declined our offer. 
Uh, he might want to retire a champion. I don't know if he's going to sign with anybody else, but then the Giants immediately jump on Colt McCoy. I like this move. Um, obviously would have preferred Matt Moore, but Colt McCoy is a good signing. He's a guy who's been around for a backup quarterback. This is what the Giants were looking for. He was the second best option for the G-men, and they took it. Well done. No complaints there. None whatsoever. Overall, I give the Giants free agency period so far a, B- a B+. Plus. Um, I give the Leonard Williams tag a C. I give the Ebner signing an A minus. I give Colt McCoy a B plus. Um, I'm gonna actually Colt, Colt McCoy. I'm gonna give a, a B a B minus because the Giants couldn't get their first guy in that regard. Blake Martinez is a B plus. James Bradbury's an A minus. Um, I really like the Toliolo guy. I think he's gonna be really good. I give him A minus B plus ter- territory, uh, and Fackrell. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a B, only because we're we're not too sure where how he's gonna perform. We know he has the skills to be good, but will he actually be? That's the next question. Uh, any final thoughts on the Giants, guys? Before we move on, I'm I'm good. I'm good. You're good. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm good. good. James, are you good? I'm good. Fonz, are you good? Are you good? I'm good. I'm good. It's just Fonz, are you good? To you. Yeah, I'm good. It's, Sounds uh, good. <laughs> yeah. We're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, cool. we're going to talk Fonz's yeah. Baltimore Ravens and dive into the rest of NFL free agency. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco. Playing some Passion Pit, taking a walk. That's what we're doing, Kyle. Uh, are your neck muscles a little more uh, good in I'm shape now? I'm relaxed now. I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed now. <laughs> All right. Fonz DeFalco. Hello. How are you? Good. You guys can hear me? I know we have some little... Technical things going on. It's our first time doing this, so I mean, it's good so far. Yeah, uh, you guys can hear me though. We're good. Don't yes. mind. So good. yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Let's talk your Baltimore Ravens. I want a quick, no. fresh rundown from you and what they've done this free agency, starting with Michael Brockers. Yeah, so we signed Michael Brockers a three-year deal, thirty million dollars. He's always been, you know. One of the more underrated, I think, defensive tackles, defensive ends, like in that, uh, for the Rams. We talk about the likes of like Aaron Donald being like the force, but people forget about Brockers, former first-round pick. And he, I read this up, but he's really never missed a game. I think really probably he's only missed like one game in one season. Uh, so he's very durable. Uh, definitely can boost up that defensive line. So I'm a huge fan of him. One of the more underrated tackles, like I said. And then on top of that, to add more to the defensive line, Brandon Williams, who traded for. Calais Campbell, I'm looking at it now, a fifth-round pitch, which is, I mean, that's that's robbery. That's robbery. Highway that's robbery. robbery. That is a big like, – I saw it, and I saw it. We traded for him. I'm like, oh, what, do we give up, like, a first or a second? I'm like, I think that's too much. And then a fifth-round pick 
That's it for Kalei's candle, which I love Kalei's candle. I've been a fan of him for a while now, and to have him on my favorite team, it seems better. I mean, Campbell, Williams, uh, and I just said it, Brockers. That's a and We tagged Matthew Judon. We kept him around for a good price right now, so I hope we keep him around long term. Something the Ravens will do is they keep their uh, outside linebackers or linebackers the rookie deals, C.J. Mosley, to Darius Smith, just to name a few people. Uh, so they kept Judon, so I'm happy about it. Just boosting up that defensive line. As far as some offensive moves, um, I don't want to keep rambling on, but they did trade away Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Got a second-round pick out of him, which isn't bad. I mean, listen, Hayden Hurst was good, but uh, Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle outplayed throughout the year. Boyle's excellent blocking tight end, and Banner's a good receiving tight end. I think we were able to trade him at the right time, especially if you like the Falcons who are desperate for a tight end because they let go of Boston Hooper. So it's a good trade on both ends. Overall, I think I'm happy with what the Ravens have done. They did a lot of in-house stuff, too. Kept certain guys like on tenders for a little bit. They let go of Jimmy Smith for now, a long time for the Ravens. So overall, I'm, I'm liking what the Ravens are doing in the free agency. Addressing the needs, they still need to address the offensive guards and a wide receiver, but hopefully they can get that in the draft. That's right, because uh, Marshall Yanda retired. Yeah, been there since uh, 07, 08, I believe. Long-time yeah. guard. Man, it's all about the guard play. Uh, it's going to be hard for the guards to get in the Hall of Fame, but I think the thing is Hall of Famer, consistent pro bowler, all-pro. Ended his career on a pro bowl and all-pro team. So, yeah, definitely. I wish he was there for one more year. We should have been able to get him a ring with this. He has one, though, with the 2012. But women, I said to get a ring with this team now, but... You know, he's happy now. I wish him the best of luck in retirement. Yeah, class act. I really thought uh, he was the longest tenured uh, Raven. So, uh, right? Next next to Sam uh, Sam Cook, their punter. I think Yanda might have been. Cook's like right behind him. Cook, okay. Yeah, Yanda, Cook, and then you got Smith and Tucker shortly after that. Yeah, it's Will Smith, Will Smith if he comes back. So, might not be the case for him. Jimmy Smith, I feel like, is a guy that you can probably get back on a short-term deal at this point. I know he's older now. so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like Smith. I, he's always been kind of up and down. Always there's days where he was a great corner, and there's days where he got burned all the time. When he went in with Marcus Peters and Bob Humphreys, like the nickel guy or the fourth corner with Brandon Carr, he played a lot better. But, I mean, hopefully he can bring him back. Maybe he'll get a look here and there, but I wouldn't be upset if he brought him back for a year. I would have liked maybe bring back Brandon Carr instead, but... You know, Jimmy Smith wouldn't be a bad option as the nickel corner. No, he, he he wouldn't for sure. And I think your Ravens are in a really good spot this year to compete with the Chiefs. Um, you know, I, I still think as long as long as Belichick is there, the Patriots will be in the, the discussion. Uh, although, who's we'll, the quarterback? That's the better question. That's going to be fun when we get to draft talk too. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Brady. In a couple minutes, it looks like though I've heard reports right now they're going to go with Jared Stidham. That's their plan. Uh, but I yeah. would not be surprised if we see a trade for a guy like a Derek Carr or an Andy Dalton, um, guys who yeah, might be sure. on the outs for their teams, even though they're yeah. both still on their contract. You know, Tom, it would be really funny if I would love to see a Jameis Winston Belichick game for just like one yep. week. I would love to see them on the sidelines together. I just really, I wish. I don't care if they cut him right after. I want to see one game of Winston getting calls from Belichick and Belichick getting frustrated when he throws, like, three pick sixes. Uh, Would you say that's preseason or actual season? Uh, I want to see it in week one. I would love to see it in week one. Actually, I I saw – actually, Tom, I have a fun fact for you if you want to hear this. Jameis Winston is the first quarterback in, I think, 
ever to start a franchise with a pick six and end it with a pick six. That's a fun fact for you. Yikes. What do you think about yeah, that? His first pass as a Buccaneer. His first pass as a Buccaneer was a pick six, and his last one was a pick six as well. By a team that you're drafted by, too. That's the thing. If you're the team you're drafted by, first pass, pick six, last pass, pick six. Tom. I think I should beat you Yikes. on the one back right now. Yeah, <laughs> you just blew me out of the water. I'm sitting in the Pacific. You're all the way out in the Atlantic <laughs> after that. Jesus. Damn. All right. Fonz won Tom nothing here tonight on Review and Preview. Uh, James and Kyle uh, enjoying from uh, their seats. Um, all right, so Baltimore, yes. Obviously, in the AFC, I think two teams on the rise. Their stock is going up. Buffalo and Tennessee. Um, we will get to them in just a moment, but those are two teams I want to look at. All right, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – Made groundbreaking news this week, signing Tom Edward Patrick Brady. What year is this, man? He's on the Buccaneers. This is, like, what year is this, man? This is, what was this, last year? We were making, like, what's happening to Brady? I said, don't do it. And, like, oh, I can go to the Chargers, if anything. The Bucks were the last team we all expected. Like, when it was, like, week eight or whatever. Now it's, he's, he's a Tampa Bay Bucs. It's so weird. This is, like... It's a weird year. I really think it's because Bruce Arians had a big part in this. If you see previous head coaching by the Buccaneers, I think if it was any one of those previous other head coaches. Mike Dirk Cutter and all those guys. Dirk Cutter, uh, Lovey Smith. I think if you see one of those guys, I don't think that you see Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. I think that under Bruce Arians, a reputable, excellent head coach and what success he's had with the Cardinals in the past, uh, what was it? Three, four years ago, he took him to the NFC Championship yeah, he made game. Carson, he took back Carson Palmer, kind of made Carson Palmer like one of the top quarterbacks again. And remember, made Andrew Luck like a star in his rookie year because Chuck Pagano was out for a while. Yeah, on top of the fact that this is probably one of the most high-powering uh, offensive weapons that Barrians probably has as at his disposal throughout his entire career. You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, OJ Howard necessarily hasn't panned out that well. He can but be though. You blame he can that on be. The- Do you blame that on behalf of Jameis Winston, or do you blame that on, you know, on himself? But with Tom Brady on his team, Tom Brady, obviously knowing in the past how dependent he is on the tight end position, not just O.J. Howard, people forget about Cameron Brady, who just a few seasons ago had a phenomenal season. Solid, solid one-two tight end duo, really. Then you got uh, a pretty decent duo tandem of running backs in the backfield, uh, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, and if they don't necessarily want to go with that, I know that obviously these guys signed, but there was rumors that Todd Gurley might say. Yeah. Some running backs available in the bar, definitely surplus picks. They have a plethora of uh, picks to go through. And one of the rules in which Tom Brady instilled on whatever team that he was going to go to is that he wanted control of the offense. So Tom Brady's going to put himself in the best position possible. We obviously see the contract in which he signs. Two years, $50 million, all guaranteed money. We know how important guaranteed money is, uh, I think especially in this sport. Nine million signing bonus. Yeah, nine million dollars signing bonus on top of it, um, which which makes it to what we we thought it was going to be a two year sixty million dollars. It's basically a two year uh, fifty nine max. So basically the same thing. But yeah. this is going to be a very interesting team. But what makes this even more interesting, guys, is now it stirs up the debate. Is we know what type of impact Tom Brady's going to have on this Bucks team. Because we saw what even Jameis Winston, a quarterback, this Bucks team was able to win seven games last season, even with 30 interceptions thrown. 
With Tom Brady, you're not necessarily going to get that even if he is starting to decline. But what's interesting now is, guys, he, he's now playing in the same division as Drew Brees. Who's coming out of this division? Who's coming out of this a, division? That's right. going to be a fun division games to watch. It is. You have Brady, you have Brees, you have Bridgewater, you have Matt Ryan. We know the Panthers are kind of rebuilding right now, potentially. The new head coach, a new quarterback, young running back. You have Atlanta, who just gave away Hooper. Their defense is kind of uh, in uh, that domino effect again. And then, I mean, you have Ryan Julio still there. But realistically, is Dan Quinn going to last more than a year there? Uh, I'm surprised he's last this long. I I thought he was going to be fired, to be honest with you. Dan Quinn and Bill O'Brien are two guys that are on the hot seat right now. Um, Bill O'Brien, or Brian? Yeah, oh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Like I, I don't, I don't know what type of like crack that man is on, but I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like um, that just wasn't good. It's, it's, it's incredible. It is incredible. It is when we want to talk about highway highway robbery of, uh, of players. You know, we've seen trades in the past that might have been a little lopsided. I mean, this is just like. This is like just to the point of acceptance of just giving anything. It's like this guy, DeAndre Hopkins, who has never had any off-the-field issues, has been an excellent player known for his hands, agility, and speed, doesn't drop passes, has been the one constant through the Houston Texans' turmoil over the course of the last five, six seasons in which he's been there, you know, with the defense being hurt. They're finally getting their quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And you see this trade – in which almost no compensation is given back to the Houston Texans. Yes, David Johnson had one good season back in 2018. He's been injury-prone since. And then a second and a fourth-rounder for for DeAndre Hopkins. On top of the fact that gave a fourth-rounder away to the quarterback. So the swap of fourths, a second and David Johnson for, for basically DeAndre Hopkins, who's arguably the best receiver in all of football. Well, and, you know, you hear rumors about why the trade went down, and you can believe it if you want, but if you're the head coach of this team and you're finally getting your quarterback in play, you, you just made it to the playoffs. You, you won. And you got past the first round. Yes, the Chiefs ultimately came back around after that disastrous first quarter. But you get rid of the guy that the only guy that Deshaun Watson has to throw to, Will Fuller, is not healthy ever. Kenny Stills is he's not a number one receiver. Kiki yeah. Kute is not Kiki mm-hmm. uh, Kiki Kute is not even a number two or number three on a good day. <laughs> and that's the guy you get rid of? I mean it's it's mind boggling. It's yeah. absolutely it, mind boggling. It should have been for a first round pick, not a not a I don't even know what pick it was, but for a, it, it was, was a like, second and a fourth. It was a second and still, a fourth for the fourth still, swap. Yeah. For Hopkins, you do a first, two first rounders, or something, a first and a second, or something. You don't do yeah, a second round pick. When I, money back. when I first heard this trade, I thought immediately, okay, the Cardinals must have given away their first round pick this year, which is the eighth overall pick, yeah, and they'll the wind future. up, and they'll wind up because they don't want to have to pay like DeAndre Hopkins a boatload of money. They'll wind up drafting like your CD Lamb or Jerry Judy, and that'll be okay. When you see a second rounder and a fourth rounder go for DeAndre Hopkins, it's 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 questionable. Don't even accept it in Madden, too. People were doing that thing also. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. That's insane, guys. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much been a, a wild free agency so far, the trades that have taken place. But pretty much the uh, the centerpiece has been Tom Brady. 
joining a Buccaneer squad that has Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Godwin will be switching his number. It's reported. And then the Bucks, these moves kind of went under the radar. They re-signed two guys. One of them that helped the Giants beat Brady in Super Bowl 46. Jason Pierre-Paul re-signed to a uh, two-year $27 million deal. And then Shaq Barrett is back as well. Had a very good year. And a contract year, too. Yeah. And then a lot he of got people tagged right now. Yep. Yeah, he got yeah. tagged. So Tennessee. Think with this Buccaneers defense, guys, that... Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, continue. Uh, I was going to say, Tennessee was another possible destination for Tom Brady. But that did not pan out. Uh, Kyle, you had something to say quick before we move on? Yeah, with this uh, with this Buccaneers defense, I believe they were ranked uh, number twenty ninth overall, and obviously that's very deceiving considering that they they had a they had a player on their team which um, was the best defensive player as well as one of the best offensive players in football, and Jameis Winston, defense wise, handing the defense the ball and putting them in the scoring position for the opposing <laughs> offense on almost every single draw. Uh, interception fumbles as well. Uh, so they ranked number 29th, but towards the end of the season, they started to pick it up, and deficiency-wise, they ranked 8th overall, I believe, at the end of the season. So a couple pieces moved around in this draft, maybe as free agency as progresses with Tom Brady as quarterback. This is going to be a scary team, guys. This is going to be a very, very scary team down the stretch. Yeah. Noted as well, Tampa is the host this year for the Super Bowl. Noted as well. Never has there been a team, uh, the host team, been in the Super Bowl. Correct. Another one time. Correct. Yeah, that. So let's talk Tennessee now, a team uh, with Mike Vrabel as their head coach coming off an AFC championship game appearance. They lock up Ryan Tannehill four years, 118 mil. Derrick Henry gets the franchise tag. They keep offensive tackle Dennis Kelly. I think it was a three-year extension. And then they get Vic Beasley in free agency from the Falcons on a one-year, $12 million deal. I was going to ask, because there's been a debate on this too, do you guys think it should have been Tannehill tagged and then Henry got the extension? Because, I mean, honestly, I think Henry's the big reason why Tannehill's been so successful. I think you you pay Derrick Henry first, and then you tag Tannehill. That's just my opinion. Or Fonz, I would go with you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. You got to do the other way. I know know it's a quarterback lead, you want to keep him, and the running back market can be down after, but... Henry's just been improving every year since coming into the league, and I think he's been the reason why the Titans were successful. Nobody can tackle him. It's firsthand when I watched right. him play. And he he um he pretty much carried the team on his back all the way up until they lost. Yeah, I'm good. So I'm gonna for them to tag Henry in my mind doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna disagree for one reason and one reason only. We saw what happened with the L.A. Rams. Yeah, that's the Dave they gave Gurley the contract when they could have picked up the fifth-year option and then franchi- franchise tagged them afterwards, and they wouldn't be in the dilemma in which they're in right now. And that's why – and listen, I'm not saying Derrick Henry is going to be that same outcome. Obviously, Todd Gurley – it's not that he's not a good running back anymore. It's just that the injuries to his, his legs are what's ultimately killing his career. But that's just what the running back position is. But locking up Tannehill, I think, was very, very smart. And franchising Henry, because you could franchise Henry another two times if you really wanted to, and then really get the use out of the running back position that you need and potentially overcome, because now you don't have to worry about Brady in the AFC. It's mostly just Baltimore and now the Chiefs at this point. And well, hopefully my, they could overcome that. My argument, my counter with that is we knew Todd Gurley had knee problems since college and even the beginning of the season. 
That is true. He did tear his. I think he tore his ACL twice. Yeah, in college. And when he had the head, right. Off the top of my head, I don't know of any injuries Derrick Henry had, unless there's like a few little things here and there. But we knew Gurley had knee problems since he was drafted. That's probably why people were questioning when he got drafted so highly. He had his knee problems. How long can he last in the NFL? That's. I get what you're saying, Russo, but that's my counter to your counter argument. No, it's a good point. It is a good point. All right, so let's get to the Miami Dolphins. They lock up former Cowboys cornerback Byron Jones on a five-year, $82 million deal. Shaq Lawson, three years, 30 mil. Kyle Van Noy, four years, 51 mil. Emmanuel Ogba, so they're doing a lot of work on the defense, two years, 15 mil. So they really locked up their defense very nicely. Their defense is going to be very improved. Um, a good tambo with Jones and Xavier Howard. A lot of teams were interested in Byron Jones, but before we get to him, let's talk about the offense. They make a couple of good signings, and Jordan Howard and Ted Karras, uh, the center from New England, bringing him in. Uh, and then, oh my gosh, there is Eric Flowers on a three-year, $30 million deal um, Brian Flores, Wait, Mr. GM. Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers is making ten million dollars a year to be a turnstile. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna tell you this: when the Redskins had him, when the Redskins had him, not when Jacksonville, not when Jacksonville, and not when the Giants. When the Redskins had him, he was a good guard in this league. They put him at the guard position, and he did a great job. He really did a great job. Yeah, he really. I'm not saying he deserves $30 million, but he did a good job. Yeah. He did a way, way better job than what the Giants and Jacksonville did the Redskins. He was the better guard is what you're saying. He, he, he was a better guard. guard. He, I think he, no, I think he actually played right. Okay, okay. I think, he, I think he played right guard, and he was a solid right guard for the Redskins throughout the entirety of the season. Um, it's, still, it's still a lot of money. Yeah. It's listen. It's still a lot of money. We look at all these contracts. Even Byron Jones, you know, making now the highest paid cornerback uh, of all time at the position. But I feel like we hear this every year. Highest paid position player every year. I feel like I hear this all the time. But it's been. But it's it's what you need to do, right? Look at Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy is a is a story as a guy that was, I believe, starting out on special teams with Joe Judge and this team, eventually moved himself up to the defensive he, he, he position a, as a linebacker. He was a, high, he was a high pick for the Lions, didn't do anything, traded to New England, became a special teamer, and rose back up to the ranks again. Well, yeah. so, and, and that was a $51 million player. Byron Jones. Let, let, let's get back to the good here. Uh, all right, so this guy was good in Dallas. I think this is a terrible contract. This is a terrible contract by Miami. Um, I, I, look, I like Shaq Lawson. I like Van Noy and Ogba. That's fine. But you're giving this man Byron Jones. Are, are you that desperate for a cornerback that you're going to go that above and beyond for him? It doesn't make sense to me. I think the, I think the question is, is not why would you go above and beyond for him. I think the question is why would you go above and beyond for both of your cornerbacks. I think that's where the question is. You're spending so much. You're spending over 30-plus yeah. million dollars just on the cornerback. Howard got a lot of money last year, right? He was a free agent last yeah, year. Yeah, he did. He signed to a big, to a yeah. big contract to for a Pro Bowl season. So yeah. he didn't really do that much but, this year. But they had the money to spend, and they had to. Well, listen, a lot even, of though money. Miami's the, 
Miami's a, an attractive destination. It's not an attractive football place to play, especially after the season in which they just had. It's just silly. so you, you have to attract them some way, and if you have to throw a ridiculous contract, that's what has to happen. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to pan out for them in a positive way that they hope, but you know, hopefully, he has a couple good seasons as uh, a good tandem of cornerbacks for the Miami Dolphins. I agree. Well, we'll see what happens. The, just want to see. The Chiefs signed a pair of former Giants in Antonio Hamilton and Mike Remmers. I believe they tagged Chris Jones. A lot of in-house moves. They let a couple of guys go. I know that. Um, but the Chiefs overall staying put in free agency. There's really not much improving they need to do right now, being they just won the Super Bowl. Um, I do think they got a new offensive line, and I forget who it is. Um, the Chiefs? Yeah. You talking about Rivers? Yeah, that's duh. Um, no, I could have sworn they gotten somebody else, but may, maybe not. Um, oh, it was Wisniewski who left the Chiefs to sign with the Steelers. That's who it was. So, all right, let's talk about the Colts now. Costanzo got re-signed by them, uh, keeping their line intact. The trade with San Francisco for DeForest Buckner, and they extend him up to $21 million a year and giving Phillip Rivers $25 million for one year. Uh, what does this tell you about the Colts? Because the Colts now, with that Buckner move alone and improving the quarterback position despite the age of Phillip Rivers and playing in uh, San Diego and L.A. for 16 years, I, mean, I think it goes to show you where the Colts are at as a team. They want to contend. They want to contend. They improved the defense. They got an edge rusher, and they got a quarterback. Thoughts? They're not. Oh, Fonz, go. No, I was gonna say I, I get what they're trying to do. I like that Buckner, uh, well, trade and extension. The Philip Rivers one, I just, I don't know about this one. I thought what they should have done is, I mean, if they weren't competing or whatever, keep Brissett for another year, draft a likes of Jordan Love with your, I believe, it was the third team pick develop him for a year and then have him start again or draft him with a quarterback. I don't – it's not that nothing against Rivers. I just feel like I don't know if I can trust Rivers again for another year, especially with a new team like the Colts now. That's just what I wanted to say about that. That's fair. That's a fair argument. Uh, Kyle, any any thoughts on the Colts? Uh, I think, Tom, as well as what you said, is this that they're in a win-now situation. You know, uh, Besides the Tennessee Titans, they're in a – Pretty terrible division now, I guess the argument is, especially with the Houston Texans. Uh, not only losing DeAndre Hopkins in a trade, they lost one of their best defensive players in DJ Reader uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so they're just a mess. Jacksonville is getting rid of all their star power. Um, this was a great division ball. not even a year ago. It was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, now it's, and now it's going to be one of the most you know, heavy top-sided teams uh, in the league because it's going to mostly contain Colts wins and Titans wins, and you're probably going to see the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars as one of the worst teams in the NFL. But, again, along uh, what Fon said, it was questionable, Phillip Rivers, only because of the fact that Brissett didn't have a bad season last season. He didn't have a bad he's, he's not a bad quarterback. He just gets thrown into these situations where, like, Luck is out and he has to come in, and then Luck retires and he has to get thrown into it. It's just a bad situation he's been in. Yeah, and a lot of people... On top of the fact, they didn't... He had T.Y. Hilton for almost the majority of the season, which was his number one target. Yeah. 
A lot of people uh, were shocked that Andrew Luck just called it a career at 29 years old over the summer. So I, I, rem- I remember that night, me and Hank were at a bar, and we just saw it. Oh, yeah. By the way, Luck retired. <laughs> so, all right. So the Oakland Raiders will be moving to Las Vegas for the 2020 season. Um, I think they are a very improved team. You want to talk about what they did on defense. Um, I think their two best signings were the two linebackers they got to pair inside. Corey Littleton, probably the most prized inside linebacker on the market. Three years, $36 million deal. And then a very under-the-radar player from the Chicago Bears, who I wanted the Giants to go after, Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, He played a lot last year for the Bears once Danny Trevathan went down, and he really was a successful player. Uh, so the Raiders stacking up on the interior defensively. They go out and they get Carl Nassib from the Browns. I think that's an excellent move. Uh, Malik Collins, I forget where he was before. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. And I think Nassib was on the Bucks. He was yeah, Nassib was on the Bucks. Carl Nassib was on the Browns before the Bucks and then went to the Bucks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and now he's on the Raiders, and he's a good player too. He's a guy that can rush the quarterback. Uh, the Raiders got a lot of ex-Cowboys. They got Jason Witten, who played his entire career in Dallas, retired, went back to Dallas. What do you have left to prove? Why are you still playing? Why, why did Witten sign with the Raiders? I know it's only $4 million. It was such a dumb signing. Go ahead. I, I think because he, he knows he might not have anything in the, um, in the announcing industry. And he's like, well, I can still play. I might as well just sign for another team for a year. Well, I think that's part of it. And then Garrett's gone. His boys are gone. You know, Jerry Jones can only vouch for him so much. McCarthy's running the show now. Sorry. They want to go younger in the tight end spot. They need to do that, I think. And that's why they extended Blake Blake Jarwin. Nice. Oh, my bad. No, a little, it's a little no, no, delayed no. with this connection, but You're my good. Bad. Yeah, no, I just liked how he timed that near perfectly. And then not only did they get Witten and Collins, they went out and they got Jeff Heath, a safety that, you know, is average, two years, eight million. He's a respectable starter in this league. And then they go out and they sign Eli Apple, former Giant. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I don't think that was a good signing. So I don't like the Witten signing, and I don't like the Apple signing. But I like all the others. And then they just, out of nowhere, signed Marcus Mariota, three years, $21 million. That was such a weird deal also next to the, uh, the uh, Witten deal, too. I don't know. And are they just going to go with these two quarterbacks and be like, all right, Stays, stays, and let's get a quarterback next year or something. They're just happy they got a new stadium. Exactly. I think that it's going to be, listen, we saw just with Marcus Mariota's previous team, how he got pushed out. You know, everybody thought Tannehill was going to come in as a backup after being so injury prone, came in and took his job. You know, there's been uh, skepticism and uh, concern about what is Derek Carr after he went down uh, a couple seasons ago. I believe it was 2017, 2016. He was an MVP at that point. He's never been the same person. He's never been the same player after getting paid a massive amount of money. And this could be their way of maneuvering Derek Carr out and getting Marcus Mariotti in for whatever that means. But, yeah. I mean, I think that's why you see a 
This is a decent-sized contract for a backup quarterback. I mean, this guy is going to be a guy that's going to be competing with Derek Carr come training. It wouldn't shock me by, like, week eight if the Carr struggles or whatever Mariota goes in, maybe even earlier at this point. Yep. Probably. It'll be yeah. interesting. Uh, Carr might have seniority, so it might be tough, but you don't bring Mariota in on a three-year deal to keep him on the bench all, all yep. that time, though. So. I mean, it goes to show you Vegas is going to have some stirrups there. Let's get to the Bears. Uh, Their major signing was former Rams defensive lineman, uh, defensive end Robert Quinn. Five years, $70 million. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot lot for him. He he just had a breakout season, and to get paid, I think that average is almost, I want to say $15 million a year, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a ridiculous yeah, amount of money. It's a lot. Yeah, I agree. And then Jimmy Graham, they sign on a two-year deal. And then the trade for Nick Foles with Jacksonville, which now I'm just very confused about everything because they, they say Trubisky is their guy, and now they go out and trade for Nick Foles, which tells me Jacksonville just signed them for nothing and Foles is going to be a lifelong backup. Now, my opinion on Nick Foles, he's a career backup. Unfortunately, he is very good in spurts. Can he give you a 16-game season like a quality starter should? The answer to that question is no. That's why he got traded. I, to be honest with you, Tom, I think he's going to be starter opening day. I really do. I really do. I don't. I think they have absolute risky. I think it's an quarterback that they chose to pass on have an exorbitant amount of success and they chose to go with Mitch Trubisky and it's just it's just failing on them tremendously I think Mitch Trubisky I think and don't quote me on this but I think he finished off the season last season with not having one game over 300 yards passing and I mean that's just unacceptable as as a quarterback and obviously we know the tradition of the Chicago Bears they go more defensive heavy and that's why they were able to have the season that they had two years ago not because of the success that Mitch Trubisky was having because of the defense and that's why we see the money being allocated to the defense and Robert Quinn because they need that type of pass rusher to defend on the defense. But Nick Foles, we all know what Nick Foles is capable of if he gets hot. And that's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's had success. He's worked with Matt uh, with Matt Nagy before. And I think that's why we see this trade being that took place because Nick Foles knows the system that Matt Nagy is going to run. And Mitch Trubisky, this is now his – this is going to be, what, third or fourth year, I believe? Fourth. Fourth, fourth year. year, and he just has not had one good season where you could say that's the franchise quarterback. Mitch Trubisky only had two games over 300 yards this year. Okay, so he did have, okay, my bad. It was just two compared to, you're drafting him that high and added like 16 games with two of them, you're going to do 300 yards, and probably, how were they like even like barely over 300, or was it like a well over 300? Both, were in, uh, both were in the 330 range. Okay, well, but still, you would want them to have a consistent 300-yard game for a guy you drafted and traded up for. Remember, they traded up, they, they had the third pick, and they traded the 49ers one spot up just to get Trubisky when the Niners weren't yeah. going to take him at that time, too. More quarterback controversy in Carolina. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, the former New Orleans Saint and Minnesota Viking, to a three-year $63 million deal. Does this signal the end of the Cam Newton era? Yes. No doubt. <laughs> it's over. 
James so, or DeJuan I was Murray. Actually, <laughs> I was actually surprised when this happened because my first instinct was that a trade was going to be in place immediately. But they just kind of sprung this upon every NFL fan and just literally Cam Newton repeated with a, uh, with a tweet. And minutes later, Teddy Bridgewater signs a contract with the Panthers. And you heard the rumors that, oh, he's, he was immediately going to Chicago. That was going to be the place. But now you see Nick Foles now as the new backup or maybe even the start of the Chicago Bears. So you wonder where Cam Newton's going to end up. But my personal opinion, I love this Teddy Bridgewater signing. I'm a big, big fan of this. I like big fan of the signing. I like his like his story from coming back from the knee injury, becoming a stable, consistent backup, and showing he can start for the Saints, and now gets gets paid with the Carolina Panthers. Now we can finally see what he can do as the full time starter. Because remember, before that injury in Minnesota, we thought he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks. He was very good for them, and then that, of course that injury kind of derailed everything. But it's nice to see him back there. Excited to see him back. I want to see where Cam goes because yeah, I mean, there's no. I can't think of a team on the top of my head right now that would go for a quarterback like Cam now because all his quarterbacks are set. Maybe New England. Who knows? But does does this Belichick want to deal with a guy like Cam Newton because he hasn't brought up uh, an RPO like a option style offense instead with a mobile quarterback? Other signings include Stephen Weatherly, uh, two year deal, uh, Trey Boston, and then Russell Okung, who they acquired in a trade with L.A. Chargers for Trey Turner. Moving on to the Broncos, they went out, they got center Graham Glasgow from the Lions on a four-year deal, a center position that they really needed um, because Connor McGovern went to the Jets. Joe Flacco was released due to a failed physical and fine. He's still elite. He's still elite. I love you, Joe. Thank you for everything. I love you, Joe. Go ahead, Tom. Now you're looking at quarterbacks like Flacco and Winston who don't have homes anywhere. So who picks those guys up? I think Flacco goes back on a well, goes to a backup scenario. I think at this point. I mean, no disrespect to Flacco, I think his time as a starter. I think it's. I think it's time. I hate to say. It. I hate to say. It. I'm just saying. Don't be surprised if the if you know the Patriots make a push for him. I, I, I can easily bad. see him there. I think Flacco is done, to be honest with you. Ooh. The fact that he got released. It's not like he got released because the contract was too big and Drew Locke was pushing him out of position. He got released because he failed the physical. Otherwise, he'd still be on the team, most likely. True. It's not like the contract was an issue. He got released due to a failed physical. And, and he's how old now, Fonz? I want to say 35, I want to say. 35, I believe. I'll 35 years old? He's, 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 up there. He's, up there. He's 35, yeah. 35 years old, so maybe he could be a backup in this league. I don't see him touching the field again as a starter, but maybe a backup. Again, the Patriots maybe getting that veteran presence, but like we said earlier, they look to be happy with that Jared Stidham option. They look to be happy with it. The Broncos also went out and got A.J. Boye via a trade with the Jaguars. They got the Jarrell Casey good. from the Titans in exchange for a seventh-rounder. Good trade, A couple good trades by the Broncos. They've improved. And then Drew Locke now, his first full year as a starter, coming up potentially. And then today you go out and get Melvin Gordon on a two-year. I think that tells you right there how um, the Broncos are ready to compete with – the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, that A.J. Bouye trade is a very good trade. Uh, we talked about Ramsey being a top corner, but Bouye is right up there, too. He's one of the, the better corners in the league. Not talked about a lot, but 
mean, we'll get to Jaguars later, but that's one of those teams, man. I mean, Campbell, uh, Talvin Smith retired, <laughs> Ramsey gone, yeah. Bouye gone. That's crazy. Like, I, I literally in a year, this team was two plays away from going to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles, and now that two years are. later, they're done. That's yeah. I like Bouye a lot, too, you know, so it's good to see in a new scenario with Denver. I, I agree. So, definitely great to see for Denver, see what they can do with that this upcoming season. Uh, the Browns, they got Case Keenum, three-year, $18 million. Maybe sending a message to Baker Mayfield. I don't think there's a shot they would start Cam. I mean, if he does this bad in his third year, then maybe next year to go with Keenum. Maybe. It's a hard maybe, but I, I don't know if it's a sign at all. I think it's just a steady backup to have. You know, that's just my opinion. I think you you need a guy to push him though. You need a, a veteran presence. Case Keenum started. Oh, there's no question about that. No NFC championship game. I definitely think it's a good signing for sure. Um, it's a guy that you need on this team. Uh, Austin Hooper signed four years, forty-two million. The Browns finally have an elite tight end that they need in uh, cohesion with uh, Dave and Joku. Now you got those two, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, you know, James' guy, and then uh, Jarvis Landry. I, 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 I kind of like him. I think it might have been too much for Hooper. I mean, he's not bad, but Kevin Stefanski uh, was the opposite coordinator for this Vikings. They ran a two-tight end set with Rudolph and uh, Irv Smith Jr. That's his name, the other tight end. Yeah. yeah. And they were very successful with those two. So with the Browns, they want to do a two-tight end set. Joker could be a solid number two tight end, and Hooper's the clear number one now. So I like it, but might have been a little too much. But we'll see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. The Browns also went out and got Jack Conklin from the Titans on a three-year, $42 million deal. Love the signing because um, the Titans could not retain Jack Conklin because they had to prioritize Kelly, Henry, and Tannehill. Uh, Jack Conklin was a guy a lot of teams were looking at. The Giants, the Jets, teams that needed offensive linemen. The Browns also went out and they got two safeties on short-term deals. Carl Joseph from the Raiders, who did a nice job for them last year. And then Andrew Sandejo, um, former Viking, long-time Viking and Philadelphia Eagle for one year. I like that move for Cleveland as well. No, not not at all. Uh, although I do think it's going to be tough because I think Pittsburgh will be improved next year. They won't start out zero and four again, and then you, of course, Baltimore, uh, the powerhouse of that division, uh, likely for a long time. I hope uh, so. Don't 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 jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the Detroit Lions, a, a team that Matt Patricia kind of on the hot seat this year now in his third year, hasn't done much yet. Trying to get this team back up on his feet. What does he do? He goes to familiarity. He goes out. He grabs a linebacker he's familiar with. Jamie Collins. Three years, $30 million. Also goes out and gets Danny Shelton. Uh, defensive lineman he likes. And then trading with Belichick and the Patriots for Dwayne Harmon. Uh, former safety. And I believe they're swapping 2023rd and 5th round picks. Something like that. So That's insane. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right there, 
the Lions are trying to stack up on guys, especially on the defensive end. They're really trying to improve their defense as they went out and they got Desmond Trufant as well. So they're they're trying they're trying to improve. But the biggest signing for them was Halapul Vatai Vaitai from the Philadelphia Eagles. James, Good what job, are you gonna try pronouncing that one? <laughs> I've been practicing that all day. Tom, God bless you, because if you asked me to say that, I would have just looked at you. And been like, nope. James, I'm looking right at you, not at the paper. Halapul Vatai Vaitai. HV. Russo, you want to give that a try? There we go. HV. I'm good. I think we. I'd rather move into the next theme of discussion than <laughs> pronounce that name. Hallelujah, Vatai. I agree with Russo. Uh, Russo, if we were together, I'd fist bump you, but, you know. That that contract <laughs> funds, that contract funds was five years, $50 million. Which is definitely surprising an offensive lineman going that high. uh, Higher than Conklin. uh, Yeah. uh, Well, longer. Whatever you call him, I know they call him that too. He was a rotational lineman. He never started. I mean, occasional starter when guys like Peters and Brooks went down, but he was never uh, a full time starter. So maybe, like, looking at, like, fresh legs, I mean, he he was on a solid offensive line learning from those guys, but a lot of money for him. I think Conklin should have gotten, you know, more, more years at least, but. We'll, we'll see how they do with the, the HV. I'm not going to go by the full name here. I'm just going to go with the HV. Halapula Vitae Vitae. Our fans call him High Vi. Okay. So, high Vi. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. How about them Cowboys? They go out and they sign former Green Bay Packer and Chicago Bear. Ha ha. Clinton Dix today for a one year uh-huh. deal. Ha ha. Uh, this is a uh-huh. move where I think this is an upgrade over Jeff Heath. The Cowboys were in an awkward spot this offseason, obviously with the whole Dak Prescott contract drama. I thought they handled that really well. They tagged him because they needed to keep Amari Cooper and lock him down. They need to keep weapons on their offense, and they need to look towards the future. And those two skilled players include Blake Jarwin and Amari Cooper, both extended, nicely done by Dallas. Uh, I think those are the two guys they needed to prioritize. They let Witten go. Um, they let Jeff Heath go. Malik Collins, they lost some guys. Yeah. They lost some guys, but they kept Anthony Brown as well. Uh, They went out, they signed Gerald McCoy, which is good. Uh, Only $6 million a year, which is pretty good for him. And then they kept... That's pretty good. They they keep Captain Sean Lee. I forgot he was still in the Cowboys. I figured they were going to keep Sean Lee because Van Der if I said that name correctly, I think I actually did. Um, he was you good. And so that, I think it. he was hurt at some point. Um, so I would honestly, Sean Lee's a good vet guy. I would personally want to see it. Like I would love like to see him on the Giants because I think he'd be that good vet guy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but I think he's been in Dallas for so long that I think Cole would retire a Cowboy one day. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that happening. The New York Jets. Um, they bring back Arthur Mullet to shore up some cornerback depth. Um, they lost Brent Quavali to the Texans on a one-year deal. The Jets had a lot of priorities this offseason. One of them is Robbie Anderson. They still have not re-signed him. Uh, I believe... He wants to come back, too. Yeah, he did. Um, I don't know if they re-signed Jordan Jenkins or not. They might have just recently re-signed him. No, he's still a free agent. He's, he's still out there. They re-signed Neville Hewitt. That's what it was. That's what they did. And then um, 
the Jets went out and they signed three offensive linemen, bringing one back and guard Alex Lewis. Uh, so they have Alex Lewis at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, probably their biggest highlight, three years, 27 mil from Denver. Great pickup by the Jets. And then George Fant from the Seahawks, who got just about the same. Uh, I don't think he's that good, but the Jets needed help. They need five new offensive linemen. They got three. So, hey, uh, can you get two more in the draft? I mean, we'll see. But and all, And as Giants fans, we know this for a fact. An offensive line is not fixed in one year. It is not. This is year four of trying to fix the Giants' offensive line, and the Giants maybe have two for sure pieces that will be there long term in Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. We hope. We hope. It's a long process. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We will see what happens there. Um, the, the Buffalo Bills, obviously the trade for Stefan Diggs with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, who won that trade, guys? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Buffalo won that trade. And I'm going to explain why in just a no. moment, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. It's, it's hands down. It's hands down. Buffalo lost this trade. The Vikings won this trade. I'm a big fan of Stefan Diggs and what he was able to accomplish, even though uh, for a period of time he was – Kind of that second-tier receiver to Adam Thielen, even though he could be the number one guy, which he will be now in Buffalo. But they gave up a first, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and I believe a seventh. Correct. For Stefan Diggs. For Stefan Diggs. And uh, it was three <laughs> others besides the first, yeah. And then you see a guy in DeAndre Hopkins can't even get a first-rounder, and you see Stefan Diggs accumulating all those uh, picks. So it makes you question. It makes you wonder. But Buffalo, over the course of the last five years, you say to yourself, they haven't had a receiver. They don't have one. You know, they, they tested out Kelvin Benjamin. They drafted Zay Jones. They uh, tried the Cole Beasley, John Brown experiment. Maybe that's, you know, that maybe that's going to be their tandem along with um, Stefan Diggs. They have not had success. Well, uh, Sammy Watkins, who didn't pan out for them, as well at the wide receiver position. They just have not had success. Uh, this is the price they had to pay to get a definite guy in their system. And, and I mean, I, you, you got to understand that maybe that's what they had to do, but you can't, I mean, I don't think there's any question about who won this trade or not. You know, obviously a player is, in my personal opinion, a guy who's doing it right now in the league is more valuable than any pick that you could give me. But the fact that you gave up that much to get that guy when he's not even, he wasn't even a number one on the team that he was coming from. I agree. Is insane. It's just insane. Now, Fonz, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. Now, I, I, I get where you guys are coming from, but I really do. I know the picks are a lot. I get it. But what has Buffalo, we, like Russo said, for the past couple of years, what have we said? If Buffalo had that number one legit tight, uh, tight wide receiver, their offense would go from like a good – like really excellent and that's what they needed for a long time we thought they almost had with Antonio Brown for like literally 24 hours remember that that was a fun time and they get it now with Stefan Diggs this is a perfect speed receiver and a possession receiver that Josh Allen definitely needs Cole Beasley and John Brown are very good receivers but they're not number one options so they finally were able to get someone who wanted out of Minnesota anyway and yeah they gave a lot of picks for it, but this definitely helps Buffalo 
become like now. Listen, they could very well be the leaders of the division now. I think I, I definitely with that excellent defense they have, and now the solid offense now they're bringing with Stephon Diggs. If they could add in another running back to the scenario, I thought they would have gotten a guy like Melvin Gordon or somebody to pair with Devin Singletary. That would have been great, but this helps out Josh Allen. That's what they want to keep because this is the guy for the future for Buffalo. Here is my problem, Fonz. I understand everything you're saying. I think you bring up good points. However. The Bills are going to have to pay him at least $11 million before next seasons because they extended him as well. So this works right now. Will this work three years from now when the Buffaloes are – when the Bills are hit with cap issues? I think yeah. the Vikings 110% won this trade because if the Vikings are not able to get a good return on a guy like Stefan Diggs – the Vikings were trending downward because the Kirk Cousin contract killed them. They have no cap. They cannot sign anybody this offseason. Look at the guys they lost. They lost Trey Waynes. They lost Xavier Rhodes, Weatherly, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin possibly might not return as well now. The only guys they were able to re-sign were him. They cut Rhodes and they cut Joseph as well. Right, but you guys, you guys get the point. Uh, the only guy they brought in was Pierce from the Ravens. That was the only guy they could afford after making those cuts. The Vikings were trending downward where experts were starting to say in three to five years from now, the Vikings will be a bottom five team in the NFL because of their cap issues, especially after Kirk Cousins leaves. Now what this trade with the Bills does, that could potentially take that away where the Vikings have extra draft picks to build up as where if I'm Buffalo, I would have preferred to see them draft a good wide receiver where they can still add pieces like they did in free agency, like Josh Norman, keeping Jordan Poyer, getting A.J. Klein from the New Orleans Saints. These are additions that I think the Bills did that will improve their defense even further. The Stefan Diggs trade is great for over the next two to three years, but the Bills will definitely lose out on some draft picks for a team that's on the rise. Tom, I would agree with you real quick. If the Vikings didn't do one thing, immediately after releasing these guys, for some reason, they decided to give Kirk Cousins an extension with even more character. Yeah, that was so. That was. The, I would agree with you if they didn't do that. But yeah. After that doing that, it's, yeah, they, they're shooting themselves in the foot. That's an extra piece to the puzzle. Good work, Kyle. All right, so the Falcons, today they get Todd Gurley. One year, six mil. Yeah, you heard that correctly. One year, six mil for Todd Gurley. Um, they make the trade with the Ravens for Hayden Hurst, a tight end they need after losing Austin Hooper in free agency. I know Fonz loves Hayden Hurst, but you know you know how it is. There's turnover. They can't keep everybody. Yeah, and they got a second-round pick out of it this year. So I didn't think Hurst was worth a second-round pick for what he's playing a couple of seasons. But yeah. they they were guys they got a, I thought they got a fourth. I thought it was a fourth. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else then. I'm but they got a, it was a fourth. They got a higher draft pick than what I would have said. I would have said for Hurst at least, or something. And then the the Falcons also helped their case out defensively a little bit, bringing in Tyler Davison and Dante Fowler. So the Falcons yeah. are trying to be a respectable team this year in a division that now features Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Fun fact. Um, okay, so the Steelers today they made some big news today. Uh, obviously, this week before today, they went out and they signed fullback Derek Watt, former Charger, three-year deal. 
you know, a couple of Steelers fans that love that transaction. They sign Eric Ebron on a two-year, $12 million deal. That's a good signing because Vance McDonald has health issues. Uh, Stefan Wisniewski, bringing him in from Kansas City, Super Bowl champion. Much-needed help on the offensive line after losing B.J. Finney to the Seahawks. And then they trade for Chris, Chris Wormley uh, for the Ravens. Uh, and they get a seventh-round pick. Baltimore gets a 2021 fifth-round pick back in exchange. I think Chris Wormley is an okay player, and I think Fonz could could account for this. He's a good rotational linebacker that, again, you can't keep everybody. So uh, that's just how it is. Um, The Cardinals, obviously we spoke about DeAndre Hopkins. They got Jordan Phillips, which is a great move and improves their defense including Devondre Campbell and former Giant and Detroit Lion Devon Kennard, who, fun fact, Devon Kennard is from Arizona. He went to my cousin's high school, Desert Vista in Phoenix, fun fact. So, uh, welcome home, Devon Kennard. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I just wanted to look this up just to double-check. I don't want to be wrong. That Hurst deal, uh, it was Hurst along with the fourth-round pick to the Ravens for a second and fifth round pick. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So wow. we were we were right. We we traded also a fourth. So first and a fourth round for a second and fifth pick. So so I had a I want to double check. I didn't want to. That's crazy. Of, uh, things you got a second round pick for Hayden Hurts. Wow. Mm-hmm. The Houston Texans obviously they traded away DeAndre Hopkins, but in exchange they got David Johnson. Running back from the Arizona Cardinals. So dumb. I understand. So dumb. You, I, I, look, guys, I understand Houston had running back problems last season, but not at the expense of the best receiver in the National Football League. Come uh, on, not at all. And you, you, you know why? You could have, could have waited and got Gordon or uh, maybe Todd Curley on a cheaper deal with Hopkins. That would have been fun. I agree. And Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien is a little too old school, and now Deshaun Watson is set up for failure. You could have, you could have drafted a late first rounder, and Jonathan Taylor was one of the best running backs in all of college football, and that would have been fine. You didn't have to get rid of the best receiver in football. Yeah, again, we're in a league where the running back position is probably the least valued, and you trade away your best receiver. The only success in which your team has offensively for an aging running back that has injury problems. Well, apparently there was some high heat between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins days before the trade. Yeah, there was. There was uh, there was argumentative uh, discussion about uh, obviously a contract extension which would pay DeAndre Hopkins eighteen to twenty million dollars. Which, granted, every other receiver in the National Football League has been paid. Odell, Mike Thomas, you just saw Amari Cooper. DeAndre Hopkins, along with those guys, deserves all that yeah. money that he's asking for. He's not hes not stepping over any boundary, any line. This okay. is not, so let's process this, guys. Here's who the Texans now have at wide receiver. Randall Cobb, right. who they signed, and Will Fuller. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not making the playoffs. That's not making the playoffs. Oh, no. Of course they're not making the playoffs now. Bill O'Brien's going to be fired. They're going to go seven and nine, eight, eight and eight, uh, and it just makes no sense because they just re-signed Bradley Roby to a three-year extension. You know they were doing some really good things, and then this happens. But listen, I could get it if the player had some disgusting personal off-the-field issues. This is a guy that clean as a whistle. Never heard a bad thing about him, and I mean I get it. You, you might have some disagreements, but 
at least if you're going to trade the guy, get some sort of compensation that represents his value. I mean, this is just, it doesn't even come close. You know, people could argue that DeAndre Hopkins would deserve two first-round picks. I'd couldn't agree. Get one. And now with the 17 playoff field this year, they won't even make the playoffs with seven teams. No. They, they, they won't. They, they, they won't. Because two of the spots will go to the Colts and to the Titans. Yep. Hands down. Yep. Unfortunately, we live in a world where the Titans are no longer in the mix. They're at the top of the mix. This is a horrible year we're having. Yeah. This is 2020 for you. The, the Tennessee Titans make the AFC championship game. The whole Kobe Bryant thing. The coronavirus. And something happened in February, too, I forget. The only good thing was probably the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. But all right, uh, Kobe Bryant passing as well. Yeah, yeah, we said that. Um, so we'll wrap up the last I, few I teams I have here on the checklist for free agency. Then we'll spend the last five to ten minutes on a CBA, and we'll wrap up at around ten thirty. So the Eagles they go out and get Hartgrave, good pickup, and the trade for Darius Slay, a cornerback that they desperately need. However, I think this move was made four months too late. This should have been done at the trade deadline this season because the Philadelphia Eagles were making a playoff push. They were unsuccessful in their playoff game against Seattle. I think the Eagles trying to desperately improve their defense. Uh, Hargrave and Slay are two names are two good names to get. Um, I believe the Lions in return get a third and a fifth round pick, and then Slay already a three-year, fifty million dollar extension. One of the top backs in the NFC, easily. Love to see it. 49ers were quiet this offseason, although they did cut Mike Person. Um, he is replaced with Tom Compton, the former Jet and Seahawk. Uh, Saints extend Drew Brees, two years, $50 million. Uh, I think if the Saints somehow make it back to the Super Bowl, I think Brees is done. Uh, oh, and... and- Real quick, breaking news on the Saints. I wanted to wait for it. I just saw it. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders plans on signing with the Saints. Ooh. That, that is – the Saints have been looking for that number two receiver. With the, oh, that's that's good. That's a good Michael sign. Thomas? They got him. Yeah. Didn't Mike Thomas Sanders made... drop that pass in the Super Bowl, though? Okay. Uh, listen, the Saints, they've had their, their mouths – the lack of success over the course of the last three years in the playoffs. Maybe – this will finally get Drew Brees over the hump. Look, Drew Brees can't catch a break. Playoff referees can't get a call for his life. Now Tom Brady joins his own division. It's 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 rough if you're Drew. And then the Saints also went out and got former Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins on a four-year, $35 million deal. A good pickup for them as well. Yeah. Um, the Chargers. They've had a very interesting last few days. Phillip Rivers will no longer be their quarterback. They named Tyrod Taylor their 2020 starter before they even go into the NFL draft. But I think I can go to sleep tonight and wake up on April 23rd seeing Justin Herbert in a Chargers uniform. Yep. Easily. Yep. 100%. 100%. You can't have that surplus of receivers if you're the Chargers and run an offense with run an offense with Tyrod Taylor. The reason why Buffalo worked is because they had no receivers to throw to. You yeah. cannot, you cannot pay the money you're paying Keenan Allen. You can't have Mike Williams and all those other receivers, and not have a capable throwing quarterback. I agree. Um, as good as Philip Rivers was throughout the course of his cur- his career, I'm going to be honest with you. 
Philip Rivers has played two less seasons than Eli Manning. He sat on the bench the first two years of his career. And you want to talk right. about, um, you know, Eli, um, you know, people were joking around. Belichick and the Patriots should give him a call. Eli would never do it, but I don't think you could say the same about Philip Rivers. Uh, his decline, you saw it happen this year. Last year it was covered up because his team was really good. And his defense yeah. was really good. Now you're really starting to see it, and it's just not good. That's why the Colts only signed him to a one-year deal because the Colts need a bridge. I think maybe if the Colts want to go after Trevor Lawrence or somebody in next year's draft, after Rivers retires or whenever he does, I just think that's something to keep in the back of your mind. But anyway, the Chargers trying to fix their defense, right? Obviously. Um, that really good safety they had two years ago as a rookie. Derwin James. Yeah, Derwin James. He, he didn't play much this year. Um, and then, yeah. of course, they have Joey Bosa. They signed Brian Balaga, the longtime Packer, to fill in a void at right tackle. They get Chris Harris from the Broncos, which is an excellent signing. And then they get Linval Joseph from the Vikings and then Trey Turner in a trade with Carolina. So in the last few days... The Chargers say goodbye to their 16-year quarterback, Phillip Rivers, 14-year starter. They, they fix the right side of their offensive line, and they get Harris and Joseph and lose Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Interesting work, to say the least. The <laughs> um, so Jaguars, on the other hand, I'm going to disagree when people say the Jaguars are going to be bad next year. I don't think they are. They have their quarterback. They have Gardner Minshew. It all depends if Fournette requests a trade. I think if Fournette is patient, he can be really successful on this team long term. It wouldn't shock me if Fournette decks to leave, though. But you have it – it's not like they're bad, Fonz. They have Chark, who's a fantastic – I'm going to be honest. In a, few, in a few years from now, Chark will be a top five, seven receiver in the league. Uh, this I, year, I, see it. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just, I, and I would like for it to stay, but it wouldn't shock me just knowing the way he is that he would want to leave, seeing all of his his buddies uh, out of town now. And Gakwe is still there as of right now. He's been very, very vocal and angry about the moves in which the Jaguars have made. Right. Whether Twitter, Instagram, posting videos of himself, he's very, very upset in the direction in which they're going. But I'm going to be honest. You look at the Jaguars' defense, and two players they have on their defense, in my opinion, are two players the Giants should have had this offseason, Ngakwe and Schobert. But ne- neither of those panned out. Um, Schobert was signed the highest contract for a linebacker, five years, $53.75 million. That's the highest contract this year for a linebacker in free agency. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. Joe Schobert, that man is the best linebacker in the NFL right now. He really is. Look what he did with the Browns last year. He had four interceptions over a span of two games, and the Browns' defense was fantastic this year. Nobody was talking about them. Joe Schobert, the Browns refused to re-sign him. Refused. Doesn't make sense. Just doesn't add up. I don't think that they could afford to allocate that type of money to a Joe Schobert, especially when they had other positions to address, like the offensive line. You know, they really never uh, – they tried working with Greg Robinson after a Joe Thomas retired. That didn't pan out well, so they fixed the offensive line. Because one thing that happened last season that not a lot of people talked about, in Baker Mayfield's first season, he really never got touched. Uh, Baker Mayfield got sacked 
like three, four times a game last season. He, he just could not – the offensive line could not hold him back uh, and protect the quarterback. So I think that's, that's huge. Not that I disagree with you in any stretch of the imagination. I would have thrown the franchise tag on Joe Schobert. But, I mean, that's a lot of money. And, and especially in the direction in which you're seeing teams go, a lot of these teams, surprisingly, maybe you see about three, four, five contracts in total throughout this free agency – that are going to the magnitude of giving guys five years. You're seeing a lot more three-year deals because yeah. a lot of teams don't want to take that. Look, I could see it for sure. If you want to tag him, maybe. Uh, who's the Who's their center? Isn't it J.C. Treader? Somebody like that. Yeah, Browns. Yeah. Um, I I think he he's part of the players' union. He's like the lead guy or something now. Um, yeah. So. They have holes, though. Ever since Joe Thomas retired, it's gone downhill for them. So, for the Browns' sake, Tyler as well. You got to remember, yeah, him too, uh, and Kevin Kevin Zeitler, gone. Yeah, on the Giants now. Luckily, <laughs> um, Saints officially. By the way, Saints officially add Emmanuel Sanders on a two-year deal. Nice, good for them. Yeah. All right, so the Rams release Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews. I was going to ask where they end up. Well, we know Gurley will be on the Falcons. What about Clay Matthews? What is he? Is he over, over his 30s? He's, mid-30s? he's 33. He's 33. Yeah. I would love to see a Packers reunion. Because now that defense is finally, you know, a defense where a defense should be at, and he would just complement that defense so well, I don't know if the Packers would want to do that. I know, Tom, I think you were talking about potentially maybe the Giants, if the Giants want to have grammar and coordinated potentially. Maybe that's better in presence than you talked about earlier, the linebacker position. You were talking about Tom Lee. Maybe a Clay Matthews instead. I mean, uh, or maybe even Tiger. He's an older guy. He's been injured. And he's looking for a Super Bowl. I mean, I know he got one back in 2010, right? Yeah, yeah he was on the team. 2010. But he's looking for a Super Bowl, and that's why he winded up signing with the Rams. That's why he winded up signing with the Rams. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be going to teams that aren't contending. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. And then the Rams, they went out, they re-signed Andrew Whitworth to a three-year deal, and then they went out and they got Leonard Floyd on a one-year. And personally, I would have been fine if the Giants went and got Leonard Floyd. Uh, so would I. Yeah. Um, yeah, so would I. The Vikings, the lone move they made besides their re-signing of C.J. Hamm and extending Kirk Cousins was getting Michael Pierce and letting other guys go. Former Raven. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. It was a good force for you guys there in the trenches this year. Yeah, but we got an upgrade with Brockers and Campbell. So I yeah. like Pierce, but I like the upgrades instead. So. Nice. The New England Patriots. Obviously, Tom Brady is gone. They still have Sonny Michelle, James White, Julian Edelman. Nikhil Harry. Uh, they re-signed so, Devin McCourty. What's up, James? Uh, Edelman. Um, I don't think he's happy in New England. I think I think he'll requ- request the trade. I think he wants out. They're right because his boy is gone. That's why. Yeah. And Edelman is an, another crybaby. You know, he just wants to win and he doesn't want to play. You know. Yep. But I, I'm telling you guys, I no, I, I can't. I can't be proven otherwise until I see it. The New England Patriots are still going to be a really good football team. They still are because of look who their head coach is. Look who yep. their head coach is. Uh, they go out. They extend McCourty. They tag Joe Tooney. 
You don't just do that by accident. They know they have the pieces to still win with this team. They signed Bo Allen from the Phil. Uh, he played for the Eagles, and then I think uh, last year he was on the Bucks for he was on the Bucks for two years. Uh, yeah, so he'll he'll be a guy they'll fill in. I know they lost Van Noy, they lost Jamie Collins, they lost some pieces, but you still have Stefan Gilmore, who is the best cornerback in this league. In this yeah. league. And you have Chung and McCourty back there in the secondary. There's vets on that defense, guys. That can't be ignored. It can't. You have a good young pass rusher in Chase Winovich. John Simon's going to replace Jamie Collins. It's next man up for them. That's what's going to happen. I'm not worried about them, even without Brady. So who are the winners and losers in free agency? Um, so far, obviously, it's easy to say the Bucks are the winners. Uh, because of who they got, but I, I'm not. I'm not going to go with them. I really, really, really think the winners of free agency are the Indi- are the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts because they got the Forrest Buckner to improve their defense. They're right on the brink. And if you remember last year, before Brissett kind of got hurt, the Colts were what six and two. Uh, yes. Everyone forgets that. And I think Philip Rivers working with Frank Reich will be good. They still have a a great back in Marlon Mack. And they didn't do much. I think they did what was right for them. The Philip Rivers contract's a little bit lengthy, but I really like what they did um, with the Forrest Buckner. Their offensive line still intact with Costanzo and them. I think they're one of the winners. I don't know if they're the number one winner, but I want it to be a little different here and not pick the obvious. Also, according to the PPF, they were top three most improved. I think the hands-down winner is the Cardinals. They managed to get best receiver in football. Keep their first-round pick, which is a top-ten pick, I think they keep number eight. So now everybody thought they were going to take Gary Judy or Tony Lamb at that number eight. They can now direct that pick towards another position of need. They kept their offensive lineman, DJ Humphrey. Uh, they got rid of the contract of David Johnson. They added Devon Smart on a cheap contract. So a guy who had heavy sacks last season, guys, brought in Jordan Cook to the Buffalo Bills. He was a really good defensive player for them. You know what type of defense Buffalo runs. And that's going to help. Arnold's lot, Andre Campbell, one of the bright spots on Atlanta's defense last season. And I mean, on top of the fact they're just speeding up the progression which Kyler Murray can now take. You know, Kyler Murray had a decent season this season, not necessarily having a number one receiver. You could argue Larry Fitzgerald. I have to tell 35 to 60 years old. Christian Kirk was hurt. Randy Isabella, who they actually used, never really panned out. But now you get DeAndre Hopkins, he's huge. James? James. Uh, I'm the Cardinals. They got Hopkins. I mean, nothing but improvement there for the wide receivers. Um, they would be the most improved I have Bonds. at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I was actually going to say the Cardinals because, I mean, what they did upgrading on the defensive side and offensive side. But, I mean, it called me biased. But, I mean, I like what the Ravens did, beefing up that the defensive line and trading away hers for a couple extra picks there. Um, you know, just to not even go bias. I mean, I do also like what the Bills did, getting Stephon Diggs and getting another corner. Josh Norman at one point was a top corner. 
on a cheap deal, I think it was, what, $6 million? Yeah. With Tredavious White. That's not bad at all. He has a lot to prove. And I believe McDermott was the coach for Norman when he was a pro bowler. Yes. Yeah. The Panthers, too. So he knows how to use him. So I definitely would say probably the Ravens, Cardinals, Bills in that tier, like who had the best free agency so far. And when we talk about the losers, can we just do a clean sweep for the Houston Texans? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to make an argument against it, but no, I think it's the Texans. Yeah. All right, guys. So our last topic of the night for these last five, ten minutes, um, the CBA. So the new NFL passed uh, a new CBA that runs through the next ten years, 2030, by the NFL Players Association. And here are the full details of the new CBA. So this gives the NFL ten more years of labor peace. It'll give the NFL League 17 regular season games. That will start not this year, the following year, right? 2021. But this year, 2020, there will be two teams added to the playoff field, meaning 14 playoff teams in the NFL. Seven from the AFC, seven from the NFC. The preseason will be cut to three games. Player revenue will increase. There will be an uptick in minimum rookie salaries. Two additional roster spots, so you increase from 53 to 55, which is good. I like that part of it. Training camp practices are cut from 28 to 16. Padded practices will all be cut by half an hour each to reduce injury. A 17th game would be an international game for every team. That might need to be reconsidered with the pandemic right now. I didn't know it was every single game. I thought it was yeah. really like, wow, I did not know it was every single one. That's what I heard. Um, my thing is, it just doesn't make sense because now you have an odd number where teams get nine home games, eight away games, and vice versa, where you'd have to reverse it every year to be fair. You know, I, I just, I don't like the 17-game season. But anyway... Um, Teams could activate a third player off injured reserve during the season. That's big. And then the playoff, the playoffs will expand to 14 teams. No change has been made since the expansion to 12 teams in 1990. While we might think this is a big deal, there was only a 12-team playoff format for 20 years in the National Football League history, a league that's existed for well over 100 years. You know what I'm saying? So it's not yeah. it's not like we should cry over the playoff format. It makes sense. We may not agree with it, but it makes sense from a, a player standpoint for revenue. I mean, we know Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nate Solder were two of the voices that were really pushing for this to happen, and it happened. I want your guys' thoughts. Um, I'm going to be honest. I like everything on here except for the 17-game season and the training camp practices. I agree with you on the games. I, I definitely, I think this, so you said it takes away a preseason game, correct? Yes, it'll yeah. take away, I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah, so preseason will be cut to three. Yeah, I did mention that. Okay, all right, yeah. No, then I, I get it, so that's, I guess it kind of balances it out of some sort. I think if they were to do that, wouldn't it make sense to give an extra bye week or something? I think that might be a little bit too much. Or maybe just take away another preseason game. Because let's be honest, guys, we don't need four preseason games. I think 
Majority of the time when you're building up a team, the coaching staff knows it through training camp, but they just use the game as like the extra icing on the cake if they want to keep a guy or not. My thing, what I always thought was would be a thing, um, would be two preseason games, one where the players can play a lot. Second one where it's kind of like here or there, we'll do a situational whatever. And then, a, then the, maybe a possible, this was a while back, maybe like keep a 16 or maybe even 18 game season with two bye weeks in there. That's what I thought it would always be, but that's another idea. That okay. wouldn't be a bad idea. Would That's what I'm thinking. You put two. Would you guys like to know the official vote count amongst the entire league? I'm curious. I'm not even curious. So the labor piece um, will now last through 2030. As we said, the vote was very tight. 1,019 players voted yes. 959 players voted no. So about... Wow, that's like 60 man difference. That's insane. So yeah. you're really thinking about this, guys. It was very split. And I'm going to be honest with you. It seems like a lot of the older players voted yes. Ones that are 28 and above, majority of those players voted yes. And a lot of the younger players um, voted no. That's what I'm hearing. Don't hold me to it, but that's <laughs> what I've been hearing um, and then, of course, um, I believe each player will get an increase of one seventeenth in their salary due to the seventeenth game. Lucky them. Um, I'm going to be honest. This helps teams the roster size, fifty-three to fifty-five. I like it because that roster size is very good. I like that a lot. My my dad was always saying it should always be fifty-five guys because what happens is a lot of teams can only dress two backup offensive linemen. In my opinion. The offensive line is very important because they make every play happen. Running, passing, quarterback, touchdowns, whatever it is. And you need those guys. And those guys are very prone to getting hurt. You see it every year. They're the most likely to get hurt besides running backs and receivers on the field. The defensive guys are not as likely to get hurt. Because, you know, they take one tumble the wrong way. They get whiplashed or whatever it is. They're down. So I think it's very important to have an increased roster size to increase the depth um, in certain positions. And then also the practice squad increases, the 12 guys, and then eventually I think it'll increase to 14. I like it. To quickly give my opinion real quick, I like everything on here. Uh, with the 17th game, I don't mind the 17th game. But with this 17th game, the NFL now needs to – it's still a rule – that because I know this caused a lot of controversy last year and, and years prior, uh, especially from a New York fan base, the New York Jets, having your bye week at week four and then playing oh. uh, so many uh, uh, what is that? Yeah, yeah. I think like, like or yeah, yeah, so yeah. many yeah. in a row. Yeah. Bye week now. Yeah. Yeah. In total amount push back to the sporting at week six. So that players have time to recover and then extending to like a week 13 or a week 14. That way players have time because if you're going to add a 17th game, you cannot have a bye week the fourth week in the football season. It's well, just like if you aired an 18th game, like Fonz is saying, you could potentially then have two bye weeks. Well, I'm not saying you need to add another bye week. You just don't make the bye week so in like the beginning of the season because you're not going to need it. You've been resting all off season. Why do you need a bye week three games into the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes it that makes sense. Yeah, but that's all for me. Otherwise, I uh, I like everything I'm seeing on the CBA. Final thoughts on this on the CBA, guys. 
I'm I'm looking forward to the change. Maybe I can catch more games this year. Bonds. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely we'll just see what happens. See if they if fans or not fans or players really want to do the 17 games. We'll see if they change up the bye weeks, or whatever. But like you said, I Tom, I agree. The roster size is very good. I think they need to do that. Um, like with the linemen too, it's always good to have an extra one out there too. Uh, I think. Not only so with the increased roster size, that means that that's also increased uh, active roster, right? Yeah, that, that, that's what it is. The balance, yeah. So that I think it works. You, I'm always thinking because it's usually what 53 guys, 46 drafts, I believe, 47, 46, 40. So I think now with the extra two spots, those two players make a difference. Yeah, because with injuries now, you can have two extra guys there. So yeah, I I like it. The 17 game could be a little bit of a question mark, but. I think we have to go through it and see how it works. I yep. agree for sure. All right, guys. So any final thoughts here before we sign off? This was a quite interesting way to do review and preview um, for week one. Yeah. It was yeah. Um, you know, sometimes things get thrown at us in life. And you know what? I mean, we could have easily just not done anything and just taken off the next couple of weeks. But we all kind of went around and talked to each other and been like, hey, Let's still continue to provide content for everybody. And listen, we all have laptops. It's 2020. We have technology. Why not keep doing it? So that's yeah. how I feel. Definitely got some kinks to work out. But hey, if we're going to be here for the next couple of weeks, well, just enjoy it, everybody, really. I agree for sure. Thank you guys all for listening to our podcast here tonight on Review and Preview. A quick reminder, you can listen to it on anchor.fm slash review and preview. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And like and subscribe to our Facebook page to see our live content Friday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. On behalf of Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, and Fonz DeFalco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you a good evening. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Review and Preview.